Welcome in to the Out of the Box Podcast. It is the season four finale. Four years of this show, and we are wrapping it up here today with our 56th in-season episode. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. Tom, the season is over. A not surprising national champion was crowned, and now we get ready for 2023. Really no other way to put it. Yeah, yeah. As quickly as things get finished, then you've got to move forward for the next thing. And uh, I know everybody that's not Oklahoma is ready to do that. Yes, we're all ready to move on. <laughs> They've been re- Most of us have been ready to move on for a while, as yes. a matter of fact. <laughs> this is, uh, is going to be another packed show. As usual, when we do the season finale, we'll look back at Alabama's 2022 and then get ready for the future. And not just at Alabama, but at all the SEC schools. And when we do the roster breakdown a little bit later, Tom, there are some schools losing more than others. And I think that that lends to a not necessarily more wide open SEC next season, but I think one where we could see a lot of teams switching spots in the standings. Yeah. As more, as we move further and further into the transfer portal era of college sports and college softball, it's going to be harder and harder to do those like way too early preseason top 25s because there's so much change and turnover. Uh, I know it's something we're going to talk about a little bit later with Alabama, but if, as we talked about last podcast, actually, you know, if you're watching it as an Alabama fan in a bubble and you only look at Alabama, you're wondering, wow, so many people are leaving. But if you look at it as a overhead shot of all of college softball, virtually every team has five, six, seven people leaving. And that means there's going to be five or six, seven people coming in. So there's right. going to be a lot of change and turnover uh, outside of just the seniors that are graduating and the true freshmen coming in. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Right. Here's your trip around the bases. We will start at the plate and look at Alabama's so year interview. This is what we said we would do in the last show. We're going to look from the beginning all the way to the end. Best moments, highs and lows, questions going forward, a little preview of 2023. Then I will talk about Oklahoma City because, yes, your national champion is Oklahoma. I went. It was frankly odd to be there for 16 games and to see every single pitch (laughs) live of the Women's College World Series. You didn't bring me any cattlemans? I didn't. It Mm. it would not have kept. That's a long drive, as you remember. (laughs) Yes, it is, indeed. (laughs) Then we will advance to first and look at the SEC. What is the key personnel like in 2023? And of course, with the usual caveat, this could be out of date tomorrow. We don't know who's going to go in the portal. There are probably people thinking about it who aren't in yet. So take it with a grain of salt, but I did my best. It's an eight-page packet. I tried. Wow. Then we will steal second with Patrick Murphy in his usual season finale spot. And typically we can have a pretty joyous conversation with Patrick Murphy, but I I think this year we kind of have to talk a little bit more about how this program will proceed after such a disappointing end to last season. And then what we're going to talk about here in just a minute with the season review, it's not like the whole year was bad. Right. It had a bad end, but you know, overall. Sour taste. Right. Yeah. So it's, you know, how, how does the program move forward knowing that, you know, the sky isn't falling and everything doesn't have to get burned to the ground. Right. Uh, It's just what, what tweaks need to be made to make it to where what happened at the end of this year doesn't happen again. Then we will round third with Sydney Littlejohn Watkins. She is in San Diego mm. playing professional softball. How awesome is that? That is that is really, really cool. It's a great opportunity for her uh, playing with uh, the pros of Athletes Unlimited, part of the AUX program. So that's going to be a lot of a lot of fun to watch her be able to, uh, to play softball again. And uh, just any opportunity for there to be legitimate professional softball i'm all for so yeah. i'm really excited for it. so on the espn family networks we'll be able to watch every single one 
very exciting. So yes. go Sid. We'll chat with her about that. And of course, Alabama, a little bit of Florida too. Yeah. You know, she's kind of a Gainesville local now. So right, that's, yeah. that's how it goes. And then we head home and that's where the fun begins. <laughs> We've got all name team. We've got the Tom's Hungry Podium. Mm. When I made my list earlier, it was hard. Oh, yeah. Very difficult. I, I, I did the research. I went back through and listened to some of the old podcasts to make sure I didn't forget anywhere. Uh, it was really hard to narrow down a, a three. Yeah. But so I, I did it. It's in my head. I'm ready. Stay tuned for that. Yes. And maybe some off the wall, perhaps going into the summer. We'll also talk about what's happening on this podcast in the off season, what's happening in softball in the quote unquote off season. There really isn't an off season yeah. anymore. That's like you, you are leaving tomorrow yes. for softball. So yeah, <laughs> there is no off season. By the time you're listening to this, I will be through Atlanta. So <laughs> enjoy that thought. All right, let's start at the plate. And talk about Alabama, a 2022 campaign that, like you said, was good at times, was great at times, but ended, unfortunately, not like you wanted to. 44 and 13 overall, 16 and 8 in the SEC. That was second, but for the first time ever, losing in regionals ahead of a possible super regional. And now, if you're the Crimson Tide, I think you look at the good stuff, you learn from the bad stuff, and you get ready for next year. Yeah, I mean, your season was good enough to be the sixth overall national seed. So, so you obviously did some really good stuff during the year. Yes. Yeah, you know, we talked about, you know, Alabama's record against super regional teams, 14 and four, including the one and two record against Stanford, uh, six and one against teams that made Oklahoma City. So, Alabama played well at, against some really good competition, just kind of hit a really tough spot at the end of the year. Yeah. And unfortunately that is sometimes how the game goes, but like you said, there were so many great moments. So Tom, we're going to give a couple of our favorites, the moments that stick out Mm -hmm. because honestly, we're probably not going to have time this summer to do a moments podcast series. So let's talk about it now. Our favorite moments from 2022 kick it off. Uh, I was unfortunately, unfortunately because of the way the season went, a few of those moments were in the first, the first weekend, Lexi Kilfoyle's home run against Arizona uh, Megan Bloodworth hitting a grand slam, the first pitch she ever saw at Alabama, the 5-0 and overall uh, weekend series, a weekend in Tucson against two World two, Series participants. Two World Series right. participants yes. from the Mike Kendria Classic. How about that? And Alabama beat them both. So, you know, I thought it was a, a really great start <laughs> to the year. Uh, just a, a really fun trip to Tucson. I'm going to go easy. K.J. Haney, pinch hit grand slam against South Carolina. Well, yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> moment of the year maybe honestly it's very possible it's up there and that was so cool it was so so cool and one of those swings I'm never gonna forget KJ Haney I mean think about what she did when she got her pinch hit chances right when she put it in play good things happened absolutely yes I mean she got the only uh, infield double of the year yes that's for sure uh so yeah uh, just an unbelievable game and an unbelievable moment for Alabama and KJ Haney and a, a player that you look at her and she's she's a player that is going to be more of a you know a team player a glue type player in in the dugout uh, and she does that as well as anybody mm-hmm. but then yeah when she does get her opportunities comes in if it's a walk Alabama needs KJ Haney's right there for you if it's a you know a grand slam she's there too so uh, I was really happy for her that she was able to have that type of moment and um, looking for more of those in the next couple of years what's another one for you uh, I'd say the comeback victory in the seventh inning against Mississippi State yes um, including a, another home run the Allie Shipman home run that I'm not sure if it's landed yet <laughs> still ball, going that ball was crushed and then just the look on Allie's face like she wasn't because Alabama hadn't come all the way back yet but she, she's like, 
yes, this is what's happening. It's like, okay, keep it going. Yeah, keep it going. Keep, keep right. rolling. Yeah. So I, I thought that was, uh, that was a, you know, a huge sweep of a SEC team that made Super Region. Crazy. Yes. Congrats to Samantha <laughs> I'll go another Ali Shipman home run. I think the two run shot against Virginia Tech um, and, and really both games against Virginia Tech, that was postseason softball in February. And that was so yeah. cool. I think the quality of games that we saw uh, to me really sticks out um, from start to finish. That might be the two best softball games that were played in the Alabama schedule, just in terms of the timely hit, really good defense on both sides, great pitching on both sides. It was a two-game span between those two teams that, that was really fun. And Allie Shipman kind of had the defining moment in that second one with the two-run homer in the sixth. Yeah. Going back to the circle, which I like to do, uh, Lexa Kilfoyle's perfect game against mm-hmm. Georgia. You know, that and then her performance against Florida in the in the extra inning victory, uh, just two of the best pitching performances uh, that you'll see. And it kind of highlights how her not being available at the end of the year really hurt Alabama. Yeah. Totally. And I guess I'll add one more before we move on in that extra inning game, the Bailey Dowling home run at Florida, right off the pitching lab, mm. just good stuff. Oh, Way yeah. to go Bailey. Yes. So like I said, there, there was a lot of really fun times. You yeah. Know? I didn't mention also the winning two games against both Texas and Miami, Ohio turned out to be, you know, you, you beat the team that was the national runner up. Yes. How did that happen? <laughs> That's effective. Who knows? which is something else we'll talk about. Oh my gosh. Congratulations to Texas, by the way. What a, what a just miraculous run. Oh, the champ geez. series. I wild. Yeah. But, uh, we'll dig into that more later. <laughs> Apparently, does Murph just need to flip somebody off and, get up and, the, it. and the flip will, and the switch will flip <laughs> LBD watch out. <laughs> uh, okay. So that has us turn the page and look at 2023 and we talked last episode about the players in the portal uh, again not a secret as reported by multiple publications mm-hmm. uh kaylee Tau graduating so there are seven departures from this team uh, there are three recruits coming in uh, we know of some potential portal work done by alabama that's not necessarily official yet we know of more that is being done ahead of next year's team but you look at the core returning Aubrey Barnhart, Bailey Dowling, Montana Fouts, Ashley Prangy, Allie Shipman, Jenna Johnson. Those are, uh, I think, pretty solid starters next season. And then you've got pitching depth with Jayla Torrance and Alex Salter. Callie Hevlin has shown flashes, and we'll see her in the FGCL this summer. We already talked about KJ Haney, plenty of others who are, who are going to make an impact. Uh, McKay Gidley. So, again, you're, you're filling those spots, but I, I think – the core nucleus is very strong and it's all about what players do Patrick Murphy, Allison Habits and Stephanie Van Brakel Prothrow bring in to surround that core nucleus. Uh, I think that question will determine what Alabama looks like in 2023. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it now multiple times, especially in the circle, how a transfer pitcher can come in and make such a huge impact. Even if it's one that you're not thinking is going to, as far as, you know, if you had recruiting stars, next to transfer portal people, maybe not the five-star pitchers coming in. We saw it in 2019 with Sarah Cornell. We saw it last year with with Dels in Arkansas. Two pitchers that you knew were good, but you didn't think they would come in and be conference pitcher of the year. Right. So there could be somebody like that in the transfer portal that Alabama will be looking for because Alabama definitely does need need pitching help. Yeah. With, with Lexa Kilfoyle entering the portal, you know, there's they, we got we got to get somebody. The day of three arms only in the no. in the bullpen yeah. doesn't cut it anymore. Yeah, you need at least one. You might need two because you know 
Alabama had four this year. And when Kilfoy went down, only having three, you really felt like, you know, Montana Fouts was pitching without a net. Maybe there's a couple that, that you need to bring in because uh, none of the three, the three uh, true freshmen coming in are pitchers. So that's right. you might need two. You know, there, there's a lot of people available. So that's going to be the most important thing. And then finding ways to, to kind of supplement what you already have. You know, we didn't even think about it last year. You know, everybody, the fireworks was Ali Shipman coming in. Ashley Prangy came in and was as important, if not more so, for yeah. this Alabama lineup. That'll be something we asked Patrick Murphy about mm-hmm. later. Uh, the recruiting class, um, again, I apologize. I haven't met any of you nor your parents. If I pronounce your name wrong, I'm so sorry. We'll have it right by the season. I'll, I'll get it right halfway through the season. Yeah. <laughs> Abby Dusher, uh, Marley Giles, and Larissa Pruitt. Um, not a big recruiting class at all. Pretty solid rankings everybody top 41 you got a couple top 15 picks in there according to extra inning softball uh, but as we talked about it it will be about who the coaching staff brings in from the portal and I to me that's exciting yeah. like there is so much talent in the portal and what I love is you've got collegiate evidence of what they've looked like at the college level whether it be pitching in a mid-major conference whether it be playing for a lower level power five team no matter what you're doing you have collegiate evidence and you kind of know the player that they are and you know what can be improved upon to make them the player that they can be and that excites me and that'll be something else you talked to Patrick Murphy about we talked about in the last podcast that you can't have you can't go in with having this negative connotation on transfer players anymore and I know there's there's still that, especially with the old school people, that uh, if someone transfers, that means it's something, you know, they, they couldn't cut it where they were or something had to have happened. They must be a, a trouble player or off the field or something had to happen. That's not the case anymore. Right. You know, people enter the transfer portal for so many different reasons. And at this point, it's just an additional recruiting time that you have, especially if you're a power program like Alabama is. There should be no negative connotation for any player that comes in. They're as much of a, a part of the team as, as anybody else, anybody that came here as a true freshman. And, you know, they got to come in and be welcomed by the by everybody involved in the program, including the fans, which they have been. I'm just, I'm, you know, putting that out there as well. I'm really looking forward to see who comes in to help, you know, help build this program up for Team 27. Yeah, and as we talked about, there are reports. Uh, they're not university officials, so I really don't want to comment on them, but uh, the, the player that I have seen excites me. Yeah. Uh, really good stats and good power, which I think is something that this lineup needs a little more of uh, this upcoming season. But all in all, we're probably going to be doing a couple of these podcasts, whether it be mini podcasts of just discussing who's yeah. coming in or what. Because Maybe a Twitter space. Yeah, and what, you know? there are so many talented players and we'll get to the list later just outside the sec that are in the portal we've got a lot of really good kids from sec teams that are also transferring and this is just the tip of the iceberg because as we've seen sometimes a couple weeks later more kids get in we've seen who knows coaching changes impact right. what the portal looks like this so there's still a lot of movement going forward yeah there, there's coaching changes that are still to happen and when those changes happen that will throw some extra people in that you didn't think were going to be there also, you're still dealing with uh, players that have an extra year option available to right. them uh, that might have thought, well, I'm going to be done with softball. But then, you know, two or three, you know, a month or so later, well, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the school where they are doesn't have the grad program they want. Right. There, there are a lot of ways it could break. I mean, we, we heard it so much during the Women's College World Series, uh, Miranda Ellis's you know, her story and her journey yeah. to come back to, you know, she thought she was done playing softball. 
So, I mean, there, there's going to there's gonna be places like that available. Yeah. And by the way, Miranda Ellish's sister, Maddie Ellish, is in the portal. So all in all, my broad look ahead to 2023 is I really am not sure. I, right. I feel confident about what the floor can be for the team, but I don't know what the ceiling is. And to me, that's exciting. I can understand why that would be nerve-wracking for some fans, because if you look at the true contenders going into next year for a national championship – the Oklahomas, the UCLA's, the Florida States, uh, they're, they're going to be a lot of the usual contenders up there. Alabama might have the most question marks at this point. We'll see what answers fill into those spots by the time we start the season five premiere in February. Yeah. I mean, there's nine months. <laughs> there's so, so much, much time. So much can happen <laughs> before, uh, before what happens 2023. But yeah, there, there, there are certainly question marks, but Part of the thing is we don't even know what all the questions are yet. That's right. We, so, we don't have the tests. We don't have, yeah, we not only don't have the answers, we don't know what the questions are. And we'll find that out. <laughs> and as I learned, never just randomly bubble in Scantron. It won't help. Okay. C, C is the answer. That'll get you a six. <laughs> just draw a dinosaur on the Scantron. Okay, let's talk about Oklahoma winning the national championship. The Sooners officially enter into the fold as a frankly, viable option for best team of all time. Uh, I was there in person, Oklahoma City. They swept Texas in the champ series. They just demolished UCLA after the Bruins beat them 30 minutes earlier. It was very impressive to watch in person. And OU should be a part of that best team of all time conversation. I, I think to me, what impressed me most was in the third inning against Northwestern. Because in the first two innings, Danielle Williams, her best pitches are changeup. And she was using it to strike out Sooners left to right. I believe she had three or four Ks and all of them were on the changeup. In the third inning, OU had five hits and four of them were on the changeup. The adjustments that they made were remarkable. Yeah. Um, so congratulations to Patty Gasso and to Jocelyn Allo. Oh who, my gosh. Just Jeez. an incredible career. Congratulations to all of us because we don't have to face her anymore. <laughs> I, I'm just happy she now has a new longest home run hit at the Women's College World Series. It's no longer the home run she hit against Alabama in 2019. It was that home run that she hit. Oh, I, my God. I was about to go get the camera, and I was like, I'll wait a pitch. And she hit it, and everyone in the press box just jaws to the to the floor. <laughs> you heard, oh, my. It was like uh, Kathy Bates' character in Titanic when they see the ship start yeah, to sink. Right. God almighty. Just like it was, it was the most stunning home run I've seen in years. Hide the women and children. Oh my gosh. It was just murked. Right. Just crushed whatever synonym you want to use, right. fill it in. So one of the, like, even if you're not an Oklahoma fan, you're like, well, tip your cap standing ovation for that one. Wow. My God. Uh, now I know you had some thoughts about the Sooners as well, Tom. I did. And this will go back to the discussion we had with Jen Schroeder uh, a few episodes ago which got some people up in arms in yeah. Norman. And I would like to say, uh, before you get the torches and the pitchforks out, if you're an Oklahoma fan, and we appreciate all of you that listen, Oklahoma deserved to win the national championship. For sure. They were the best team from start to finish this year. Like I said, generationally great team. I think it's definitely the best offense ever. Lock it up. Um, yeah. There's a little bit of apples and oranges on the comparison, you know, on kind of like when, you know, the Monica Abbott's and the Jenny Finches and how they were, you know, there's pitching and how offenses are, are different than they were yeah. 15, 20 years ago. The UCLA in the nineties. Right. Yeah. yeah. Arizona's in the eighties. So, I mean, there, there's, there's different eras, but of this era, best team ever. Uh, 100%. Not close. Put it down. I, I'm on board on that. But I do think Jen was right. Oklahoma. I think they were very, very fortunate. And, okay. and here, and here is why 
look at the journey they had and how they won the national championship. They had the easiest regional, which they should. They were the they were the number one seed. Right. right. They have no problem. And I'm not even saying that anything was done wrong. I'm yeah. just I'm just I'm just putting out the 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 line they went through. Then they faced the number 16 national seed, who was the first mid-major to host a regional since 2014 and was overmatched from the word go in UCF. One of the only offenses that might have had a chance to hit the ball with Oklahoma was Arizona State. Didn't have to face them. Northwestern beat them. So they faced Northwestern in in the first game in in Oklahoma City. Then they faced Texas, who did the unimaginable of winning one game against Oklahoma (laughs) in the regular season and had all the motivation and Oklahoma just destroyed in that first time. Yeah. And then, then they faced, I would say the only time in this entire postseason run, Oklahoma actually faced a team that could possibly beat them in a three game series. And that was UCLA and UCLA did win the first game, but then Oklahoma destroyed him in the second game to Oklahoma's credit but did get to take the opportunity of somehow we've revamped the schedule. We, we still have the 30 minutes in between the definite game and the if necessary game. I'm, I'm going to talk about that. So, off the wall. Oh it's my so gosh. Dumb. Why, why we've done everything right. Why do we have still have 30 minutes in between games? Okay. So they had that. And then the, another team that would have had the opportunity, I think a legitimate chance to beat Oklahoma was Oklahoma state. Texas has a miraculous comeback and eliminates Oklahoma state and they get to play Texas again who was obviously overmatched. Yeah. So my point is Oklahoma was fortunate because they never had to face teams that could legitimately hang with them during this entire run. You know, they never had to face the Virginia Tech too. They never had to face Montana Fouts. They never never had to face Florida State, who I think offensively might've been the only team that could hit with them for three games and have a chance to beat them. So the fact that it was a year where there were so many upsets and it, it just, it, everything fell for Oklahoma to be able to breeze through the national championship. Not, not saying that's why they won. I think they would have won no matter who they were facing for the most part, but they, they, they got to face the easiest possible road to win a national championship. As I was sitting there watching game one of the champ series, my prevailing thought was, man, I really wish I was watching Oklahoma state, Oklahoma right, right. now, because I, I think yeah. Oklahoma state, uh, Oklahoma, like you said, is, I think Oklahoma is winning the national championship no matter who is there. No. Um, I don't think Oklahoma State loses 16 to 1. No. And Kelly Maxwell would have at least given the Cowgirls a shot. No. And I feel like, in a way, that that scenario was more just Oklahoma being the beneficiary of Texas's luck. Because what are the odds that Haley Busby spikes it into the ground? <laughs> right. And, you know, yeah, otherwise absolutely. Texas hadn't touched yeah. Kelly Maxwell for the most part. Courtney Day had the home run. They had a couple hits in that inning, but really the, she was mowing people down with the strikeouts. Texas got a little bit lucky on that miscue. Right. And yeah. uh, because of that, they were in the champ series and uh, OU people were talking ahead of the champ series about how it helped Texas that they had faced OU and knew what they needed to do. Mm. I, yeah. I could not disagree yeah, yeah. more. The best chance you had to beat Oklahoma this year was if they had not seen you because of how great they are at game planning defensively and with pitching and making adjustments at the plate. And we saw that Uh, the only pitcher from Texas who held them down in the champ series was Estelle check who they had seen for one inning that year. And they still figured out a way to get to her. But when they saw Haley Dulcini and Sophia Simpson, who they'd seen more in the season, they ripped them. Yeah. And I don't think it was a good matchup for Texas at all. Uh, And I think that OU was the best team all year. And uh, maybe we can have that discussion later on down the road about whether they were the best team ever. We need to get some multi-generational guests and have everybody chime in. Right. But 
I, I think that there's a little bit of truth to what you're saying. I'm not necessarily sure that that lucky is the right word. I would fortunate. say maybe fortunate. Yeah. yeah. All in all, that's you know that's not their fault. You're, no. you're tasked with being the team ahead of you, and oh, you sure. did that quite soundly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More often than yeah. not, it's like it's not Oklahoma's fault that the number two national seed, you know, lost two games on Sunday uh, to Mississippi State. It's not you know it's not Oklahoma's fault that Virginia Tech, who I think could have maybe because of the one-two punch. Uh, and having not faced Oklahoma might have had an opportunity. Not their fault that Florida beat them. It's, it's not their fault no. that Texas beat UCLA in no. day one. I right. I also thought about a lot about how interesting that winner's bracket game would have been with UCLA and Oklahoma. Right. UCLA on a day's rest, ready to go. Yeah. Who knows what could have happened? I say, and of all the teams that they did face, like I said, I think UCLA is about the only team they faced during the run that might have been able to hang with them in a three-game series but I think they were the worst of those teams. And the fact that they got to do it on the, where they had to beat them twice in those back-to-back games, it, it all fell so perfectly for Oklahoma. Again, fortunate. One of the things that people say that, that I dislike so much is you know, I'd rather be lucky than good. I'd rather be both. And that's what Oklahoma was. Yeah. You know, they, they were great. They're, like I said, generationally great, deserved to win the national championship, uh, but it fell for them to breeze through it so easily. Again, we're not taking any credit away from Oklahoma. No. So I, uh, the I, DMs. Oh, it's it's gonna they're gonna come after us. And yeah, I, I don't. And, you know. it is what it is. Um, and also, <laughs> a heck of a week of softball in terms of ratings. We've oh. talked about the growth of the sport for years. Outside of games that Oklahoma played, just great. Yeah, I just. I mean, exciting. Did we have the dramatic walk-offs? Not really, but we had pretty tight games until the sixth or seventh innings and by then people were usually sucked in right we also had two games on abc which both pulled in really solid ratings uh the champ series game one which oklahoma won 16 to one right had 1.4 million viewers which is like awesome because why were that many people watching a 16 to one game game two had i think 1.7 1.8 million on espn two right so a big win for the sport of softball and i think if we get next year a truly compelling world series that from start to finish is tight frankly like the 2021 world series which you know was awesome a lot of people consider that one of the best we've ever seen Uh, these numbers are just going to get bigger and bigger yeah it's almost as though people like softball and will watch it if it's on tv and that's pretty much what what happened uh yeah if you get you know a situation where you have a game three for all the marbles and it's a close game i could see uh, a number over two yeah. certainly happening and if you get that on abc then my gosh uh but even on right re- on if it's on espn regular or two uh get those type of numbers it's gonna just do n- nothing but continue to elevate the game and i was i was very impressed i mean i was watching the first game they threw a strike to jocelyn Allo and i was like all right ah! <laughs> that's it threw my remote tweeted stormed and i was like out of there but then i was like okay i'll come back for game two and it helped that at least in those in game two it was close for a little while. Yeah. Texas so, played a heck of a ball game. Yeah. So it was, it, it was a, a lot of fun. It was a great postseason from top to bottom. You can enjoy uh, and appreciate the greatness of Oklahoma, but then all the other games, like I said, the games that Oklahoma was not blowing people out in, I thought was a lot of fun. Yeah. And also, of course, we didn't mention it last week, but the highest rated super regional broadcast ever with Texas and Arkansas just narrowly beating out Texas and Alabama from 2019. So Texas, good work. (laughs) Okay, it's time to put it in play. Who are we?
Let's be a Jocelyn Owl. <laughs> Let's be Jocelyn Owl. And we're hitting a single? Oh, <laughs> what, man. What happened? What? It must have been one in the dirt that she was able to. <laughs> a bunt that went to the wall. <laughs> oh, man. What a freaking career. Oh, thank goodness she's done. I, man, she's ridiculous. Jocelyn Owl, the best hitter maybe ever. Certainly she's, best power hitter ever. When, it's not close. Yeah. Just know that when we get to the previews for 2023, when we talk about Oklahoma, I'm going to say, is Jocelyn Owl gone? Good. <laughs> She is getting the Tori Vidalis treatment from here on out. Save that for February. <laughs> it's time to advance the first. We are Jocelyn Allo, just, you know, shortening up and poking it through the infield. And when we come back, we'll look at the SEC in 2023. Tons of turnover, a lot of specific teams with tons of turnover, and a lot of teams who maybe aren't losing a lot of people, but the people that they are losing have been really critical to their program for a very long time. That's next year on the Out of the Box Podcast. We have Jocelyn allowed it into the gap and stopped it first, you know, for show purposes. Right. We, we, we knocked down the wall yes. with the ball. Just breaking everything. The umpire said, no, just go out, say it first. <laughs> We're advancing to first on the Out of the Box podcast, season four finale. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. Tom, I've got the eight-page packet, the SEC key personnel for 2023. It's quite a docket. Yes. And again, as I mentioned earlier, some of it could be wrong by the time you listen. I'm, I'm just being honest. I don't know who's going in the portal. Year, there are players where I don't know if they're coming back for a fifth year. They could be just saying, I'm, I'm happy, I'm done. They could be coming back. I don't know. So right. there are a lot of ways it could go. I did the best that I could. There are also some players that it's it's hard to know how old they are. Looking at you, Skylar Wallace, I, I still am confused <laughs> about what how much eligibility you right. have. We know what your age is. What is yes, your eligibility I, situation? That's the question. So right. we will go in order of the 2022 SEC standings. Oh, good. Yes. We will start with the Arkansas Razorbacks. And this is kind of one of the teams I mentioned earlier. A lot of key departures. Mary Half, SEC Player of the Year, KB Sides, Taylor Ellsworth, Lenny Malkin, who honestly, I, I think I said I would have voted for her for SEC Player of the Year. Hannah McEwen, Daniel Gibson, who other people might have voted for SEC Player of the Year. Right. Those are six starters that have been crucially important the last few seasons, and in particular this past year for the Razorbacks. That's a lot to replace. Yeah, it's a lot to replace, and it, like you said, a lot of leadership both on and off the field yes to, to replace so it's good this is the year as i think you mentioned this a podcast or two ago this is the year that we really see how good courtney dyfel is because you know it's going to be you know whatever she's doing here in the, in the portal she's going to obviously go shopping what type of recruiting she is um, it's going to be a young, young team for the Razorbacks next year. Yeah, Extra Inning does have this recruiting class as the number one overall. And I'm looking at seven players who are all in the top 25. That, well, That's yeah. Real solid. We'll yep. see uh, who makes an impact. We'll, we'll talk to Courtney Dyfel about that, I'm sure. At Media Days, in terms of returners, Shanice Dels, that is your ace. I'm interested to see what teams do now that they've got a year of film on her. Mm-hmm. But what a phenomenal start to her Razorback career this past season, winning SEC Pitcher of the Year. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like we talked about, you know, just a more impactful transfer you will not have found in this conference. Yeah. Casey Hoffman is back. Hannah Gamble, the All-American, first-team All-American at third base. She'll kind of set the tone offensively. Otherwise, you've got some players who made some contributions but weren't stars. And so we'll see who steps into that star role for the Razorbacks next year. And like you said, who Courtney Dyfel goes after in the portal. I, I would think they're probably going to try and get another pitcher, uh, maybe look for some outfielders, maybe 
couple people in the infield. I, there, there are a lot of spots available for this team. So we'll see how Arkansas decides to proceed. And whoever uh, does come will be coming to Tuscaloosa for a series this year. That's true. Mm. Yes, we are back on the 2020 canceled yes. schedule. <laughs> the, the only SEC games we got in. Two games to one series win over Arkansas. Exactly. We will skip Alabama because we already talked about them and go to Tennessee. Tennessee will bring back Riley West, Kiki Malloy, who honestly I was shocked was not an All-American this year. Mm. Zeta Pooney, Larry Boutte, Riley White. Uh, Ashley Rogers, quote unquote, has a decision to make. I would be pretty surprised if that decision isn't playing softball in her fifth year. Pretty solid recruiting class. Got a couple kids in the portal. Some key departures, Aaron Edmondson, Amanda Ayala, Ivy Davis, Ashley Morgan, Kelsey Leach. When I look at this list, Tom, the one that jumps out at me is Aaron Edmondson because she supplied that ability for Ashley Rogers to rest and to not have to throw every inning and frankly did not feel pressed when she was hurt. So I would assume Karen Weekly is going to try and get another arm out of the portal this offseason. Yeah, you definitely need to address that. I would say the lineup wise, I feel better about these returners than I did about Arkansas's returners. Hmm. It's hard to find yeah. a more impactful player coming back than Kiki Malloy. Yeah. I mean, Malloy, Pooney, and Boutte all had really good, really good seasons offensively. And then, you know, all coming back. And I think, I think uh, of the three that we talked about, Alabama, Arkansas, and now Tennessee, Tennessee might have the most complete lineup right now. If they had to play a game right now, with these players, I would feel best about them. Yeah, and a couple of top five recruits, according to Extraining Softball, which mm-hmm. is always helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Florida. This was the team I was referring to when I said not a ton of people going, but it's hard to find somebody who's meant more to a program than Hannah Adams, one of the best defenders in the country, gold glove winner. Congratulations to Hannah. Uh, you're going to hear in a little bit, Sydney, talk about her as a leader, but just an incredible career for Florida. And now we'll see how Tim Walton decides to shuffle the pieces. I mean, they've already landed a transfer in Pal Egan from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Charlotte Eccles, we assume, will be back. Skylar Wallace will be there. So the nucleus is good. Mm-hmm. I think, again, the question is kind of pitching. Like that staff, Lexi Delbray, showed great flashes, but – they're probably going to be in the market for an arm. Yeah, because I think that was really the issue for Florida even this year was finding a consistent ace, a consistent, you know, we're going to throw this person out here and we have a really good chance to win each and every uh, weekend. Uh, so they find that person that they can kind of build the pitching staff around if she's in the portal or, or is a, a incomer. We'll see what happens. Gone are Cheyenne Lindsay and Natalie Lugo and Marissa Messimore as well. At, at least I believe Cheyenne Lindsay's gone. That's sure what it sounded like in her press conference, and that's what I've been told. Um, so, again, good careers, all of them, and uh, a couple kids in the portal as well, and perhaps more movement at Florida. I feel like every offseason we see something involving Florida make a splash, so we'll see what happens this year. Yeah, the the number one example of that. Scholar Wallace. Yeah, Scholar Wallace. Did they not see that coming. Multiple Big Ten transfers mm-hmm. in with Cheryl Eccles and Kendall Lindemann. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Kentucky, the Enigmas. Ooh. Oh, goodness. As who, who, who's pitching? Who, well, I'll tell you who's not. It's Tatum Spangler. Oh. She has graduated. She is gone. Tatum, congratulations on a really good career. Also, Lauren Johnson, Renee Abernathy. They are done. Great times in Lexington. Renee Abernathy, as clutch as it comes yeah. in that offense. As far as I could tell, though, otherwise, it's it's pretty clear cut. The mm. fifth-year players have already announced they're coming back. I, I couldn't find anybody in the portal. And you've got a really good core group. Aaron Koffel, obviously Kayla Kowalik, 
a lot of those pitchers, we'll see who can take that next step with Schoonover and Lacatena, Stoddard, Ebbs. Like there's there's good stuff here. There's good talent here to the point where I feel like next year I might know what Kentucky is. No, 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 no. Maybe. And a really good recruiting class too, including Alexis Mack's sister, Chelsea. No, maybe I won't be mocked for saying Kentucky's going to be good this time. Mocked and laughed at. Oh, Tom. Mm. So close to super. So <laughs> close. Uh, but seriously, I mean, it's hard to find a better bat right now than Aaron Koppel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was with the pitching situation always being in such flux for Kentucky, having somebody like Koffel, somebody like Kowalik in that lineup that you're going to be, you know, worst case scenario, she's probably going to go one for four, but be on base a couple of times. And uh, if you can do that, uh, you're going to be in every game. LSU loses Shelby Sinceri, solid two-way player throughout her career. They've got five kids in the portal. What? Five? five, Including Morgan Smith, who will be playing in the FGCL. Oh, yes. She had that nice home run in the SEC tournament against Mississippi State. But there is also a lot coming back. Allie Kilponen, Shelby Wickersham, still waiting for her to kind of get back to where she was early in her career. You got Pleasants, who will be busy this summer with Team USA. Coffee, Clark, uh, Chafin, Cummins. Briggs like there's there's again a lot here but now we just have to see them live up to their potential because honestly there were really good moments but overall this was a pretty disappointing year for LSU yeah that's that's the thing is like you know you look at maybe comparing LSU season to Alabama's was you know LSU had a lot of the issues Alabama had at the end of the year pretty much all year long yeah that's why they were on the road for regionals and why they went to and out in, in Tempe as as opposed to Alabama, who was the number six overall seed. So, you know, I think you could definitely make the argument LSU had a very, very disappointing season because when you look at, you know, this this list, that, that should have been – that's a team that should have been at least hosting regionals. That's a really I good mean, crop of talent. That's a really good team. And, you know, whatever happened, uh, they got to figure it out and have a better a better season, obviously, in 2023. I, but I think their, their season kind of, you know, take a look at what happened in a lot of places in this conference – I think you know, when you look at it, SEC just kind of had a down year. Wasn't great. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't no. awesome. Yeah. No. Not amazing. No. It's been better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would certainly yeah. say that. Recruiting class really strong for Beth Serena as well. And another coach that I'm very excited to talk to, hopefully, yeah. when we do media days, because there's a lot to like about this roster. And at some point, it's going to come together with this group of players, but it's taken a little bit longer than it should. Missouri, another team that's losing just a, a whole just plethora everything. of talent Kendall Ooh. Bailey Brooke Wilmes the All-American Cassidy Shomo gold glove winner Kim Wirt home run phenom mm-hmm. uh, Hattie Moore Emma Robbie quote-unquote has a decision to make my assumption is she'll be back but that's that's a pretty hefty talent pool to lose Shomo will be crunching Gatorade bottles somewhere else Yes, with the, the pride, actually. The oh, triple S-A pride. Well, there you yes, go. There you yeah, go. That's what you did. This is a Missouri team that will have to rebuild a little bit. And our friend Michaela Trans, who uh, resigned, she wanted to do something else. And so Larissa Anderson not only has to try and fill in these spots in her offense, but find a new hitting assistant. And that, to me, means this is probably a Missouri team with the most question marks we've seen since Larissa Anderson got there. Yeah, I mean, especially there's so many people – leaving now because they were such a a mature team last year yeah one of the reasons why i picked them as high as i did because they had everybody returning from that team in 2021 that did so well you know how do you replace those how do you replace that leadership both on and off the field 
what are you going to do in the trans in the in the portal? Yeah, um, I would think Missouri would be one of those places that could be very appealing for a certain type of player. For sure, and you've got good pitching depth returning again with Krings and Weber and Nichols and Schumacher. Like there's talent there. So will we see a Missouri team that is more carried by the pitching this upcoming year as opposed to the offense, which is I feel like what we've seen the last couple of seasons. Yeah, which is very possible. Georgia with mm. our friend Tony Baldwin. Again, another team so close to getting it to Supers, but it again feels like they're ahead of schedule. They were way ahead of schedule when they went to the right. World Series in 2021. There must be some mistake. I don't understand it. <laughs> They've got so much young talent. I found one player out of eligibility. Maybe that's wrong. That feels wrong. But you've got Fields, Kuma, Kearney, Chambly, Lindy Ray Davis, Ellie Armistead, Sarah Mosley, who had a player of the year argument. Kerpix is back in the circle. You've got Macy back. If that pitching staff can continue to evolve, this is a Georgia team that can be real deadly. And oh, by the way, I didn't even mention Lacey Fincher, who does have one more year. Right. So this looks like a very dangerous SEC dark horse in 2023. Agreed. Especially if, if I'm Tony Baldwin, I'm, I'm looking in the portal. If I can find just one, one pitcher, one pitcher. Mm -hmm. If you find, if you find someone that you can kind of build the entire, take a little bit pressure off the, the rest of that staff and be one that, that can be, you know, that Friday night starter. Cause you, they relied too much on Kerpix last right, year. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, somebody that you can, uh, can pair with Kerpix and kind of do the the model that Arkansas just showed you, you know, get, it doesn't have to be the five star out of the portal, but someone that can come in as a number two. Yeah. Somebody they haven't seen before who, yep. who can surprise people. Mm -hmm. Ole Miss, a lot of people coming back, good recruiting class, some major departures. We'll start there. Bree Roper, our friend from the FGCL who was coming back actually to be an assistant for the slice, which is fun. Oh, there you go. Sydney Gutierrez, Anna Borgen, the talented lefty, Abby Latham, they're gone. Uh, Tate Whitley has quote unquote a decision to make. My assumption is she'll be back. Uh, they've got Esparza, Paige Smith, Caitlin Riley. So a solid young nucleus here for Jamie Traxel. Uh, again, I, I think it'll be about how this recruiting class turns out because you've got four top 30 players coming in and if you can nab a name or two out of the portal like they did last year with Bree Roper yeah and this is a team that I think again overachieved this year to be where they were had an opportunity um yeah and so they can continue to build on that after year two things continue to to look up somewhat surprisingly for Ole Miss yeah speaking of looking up mm. Auburn Oh, great. Auburn wins the, wow, everybody's coming back, Missouri award. Because, <laughs> wow, everybody's coming back. Right. Unless they lose somebody late to the portal, you've got everybody above the line coming back. You've got your top two pitchers in Shelby Lowe and Maddie Pinta. If Lowe can get healthy, look out. This is an Auburn team that looks like it's on a proper upward trajectory, and we'll see what Mickey Dean draws up because he really did kind of change – the whole operation of the program coming into this year. And for the most part, it worked. They kind of ran out of gas at the end, but we'll see as they build up more stamina. And again, if everybody can stay healthy, if they can take that next step. Yeah. I mean, I think their offense, it, it, they got hurt when Denver Bryant got hurt. And like you said, they kind of just ran out of gas because I think they focused so much on getting the power numbers up in the off season last year. This year, if they, I think if they can kind of take more of a, a level and even uh, approach to improving, um, I think they're going to be in really good shape. Uh, you got to get low healthy. You got to get mm -hmm. your pitching staff, a healthy pitching staff that's anchored by Shelby Lowe, Matty Penta as a, a, one of the best number twos 
if that's what you would call her. At this point, it's a 1A, 1B. Right. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be a, a scary type team. Again, they got to avoid a, a late portal jump, <laughs> which, which, which can happen. Uh, but maybe if, maybe they're able to grab somebody. And if yeah. that's the case, um, Auburn is one of those teams that's going to be a dark horse. Like yeah, Denver Bryant, if she gets healthy, uh, Michaela Packer's back, Peralta's back. You've got your SEC freshman of the year and Brie Ellis. A couple good recruits coming in. KK Dismukes actually performed pretty admirably at the end of the year. So yeah. that's your number three. That ain't too bad. Yeah. Uh, th- this is an Auburn team that, that feels like they're – as steady as they've been for the last five years. And if you're Mickey Dean, you got to take a lot of pride in that because you did it your way. And now you're looking at 2023 as the year where you make the move and we'll see if they can do it. Yeah. Cause I think this year was kind of the, uh, we got to do something or, yeah. you know, think they, they might it was like the bridge year. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he was able to get through that, showed the improvement and we'll see what they can do next year. Speaking of improvement, congratulations to our friend, Samantha Ricketts on making it to supers it's a big deal awesome oh for mississippi state the bulldogs though also bid farewell and adieu to mia davidson one of the best power hitters ever in softball certainly the best power hitter in sec history statistically yeah. what a career for her it's great to see like, like we we said at, at one point i think we said this back in 19 that know, it would be a shame if she never played in supers right. and not only that they got to play in supers but i i would i would say if, since the super regional round became a thing for them to in Tallahassee beat Florida state twice mm. on Sunday and make it to super regionals, the biggest upset in regional history. I'm with you. We talked about that in Oklahoma city. That was, that was my vote. I don't know yeah. what else I'd have to really dive deep to figure it out, but in recent times, it's not even close. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would have been one thing had Florida State got beat early and they were they were the ones trying to get out of the loser's bracket. But the fact that Mississippi State came out of the loser's bracket and beat Florida State twice in Tallahassee, that shocking and just really impressive. A lot of credit to everybody involved in Mississippi State. So great to see Mia Davidson have a chance to play in Super Regionals. And, you know, that pitching staff really came so on. So much, so much credit to them. Yeah. Uh, Annie Willis is gone. Great mm. career with right. Troy and yeah. then with Mississippi State. Great job. Now, goodbye. Yeah, yeah now rebuild because wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a tough. That's a tough duo to lose, Davidson and Annie Willis. Also, you lose Montana Davidson, but they bring back a lot of it with Malaulu and McKenna and Bradley St. Clair had a uh, had a really good year. Paige Cook had an excellent season offensively. And remember she had that great diving stop at third right. against Alabama, Riley Hull, freshman, a lot of potential, Kimley Hawk, Aspen Wesley. They both showed what they could be at times this year. They probably need a little bit more development, maybe a little bit more maturity. And they probably gained that from the journey that Mississippi state went on this year. Frankly, this is the team that I have the most questions about because I feel great about the pieces that they've got, but what do they look like losing the best player in school history and yeah. their ace? Those, it's hard to find bigger losses for any team in the conference. And it's, I think it's going to be tougher for a team like Mississippi State to get somebody out of the portal. It's just not really a normal destination spot. Starkville is what it is. I love Starkville. I love Starkville. We love yeah. little Dewey's. Right. Yes. Yeah. Our so, boy. Yeah. We love we love Starkville, but it's it's not one of those destination spots. And uh, Samantha Ricketts, I know she's you know has the connections with Oklahoma, so hopefully she's going to be able to bring somebody in as far as that goes. So it's just another you know obstacle that you got to go. But yeah. you got I think you know that when you go to Mississippi State. Yeah. I know that's going to be the case. 
and what are you going to be able to do? And you have to wonder if the fact that they made supers and they hosted supers, if that helps at all, if that Hopefully. helps make it a little bit right. more of a destination. Because yeah, let's not talk about what happened against Arizona, but look at all the people that were. There. I mean, they, and it they was really cool. Probably right. should have won game one. Just yeah. let it slip a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that. So congratulations to the Bulldogs and maybe the team I'm most intrigued to see what they look like yeah. when the final rosters come out ahead of 2023. It'll be very interesting. Okay. All that's out of the way. It's time to talk about Texas A&M. And this is where mm. we discuss the hiring of Trisha Ford. Yes. The head coach of Arizona state coming to Aggie land. And we'll dive more into all the sun devils who are suddenly littering the portal, mm. but from a pure hire standpoint, after what was frankly a wacky search with names being tossed around from Lonnie Alameda to Tim Walton to Heather Tarr to Beth Tarina to Patrick Murphy. Everyone was mentioned at some point. I think Trisha Ford is a darn good hire for Texas A&M. It checks the boxes that they should be looking for. Yes. You know, it's a younger coach that has, has had success elsewhere, has shown that she has the formula, has uh, the template that she's going to be able to bring from Tempe to College Station and be there for 15, 20 years and build a, build a program. You know, she's not having to start from scratch. She, she, number one, has the best facilities in the nation. Best stadium in softball. Right. She has that to go off with. She has some good returning players here. And then you say, I would not be shocked if some Sun Devils come with her or if she's able to grab some other people out of the portal to supplement. And in almost the exact opposite from what I just said about Mississippi State, A&M can be a destination spot for people out of yes. the portal. Uh, no matter who the coach is. But now you have somebody like Trisha Ford coming in. I, I think it was a slam dunk and you know, home run hire. Yeah. And I think with the pieces in place already, there is possibility for success right. in year one. Yeah. Add in some of the Sun Devils who are out there. I believe there are five or six right now in the portal. And the prevailing belief is that at least a couple of them are going to go to College Station with Coach Ford. Uh, that roster gets even better. Who's departing? It's Caleb Horner. Like, that's it. That's pretty <laughs> that's much it. Your right. number four pitcher is gone. Right. Uh, you've got a couple of people with decisions to make, like Mackenzie Herzog and Haley Lee, uh, Morgan Smith as well. But the young core, Coco Woolley, Rylan Wiggins, Katie Dack, Gracia Rebe, uh, Emily Kennedy, who was erratic, but at times very effective, the lefty pitcher. No, no, noted hitter, Grace Uribe yes. is there, right, yes. <laughs> Trinity Cannon, uh, Caden Baker was a starter. There's a lot to work with here. Absolutely. And we'll see them in Clearwater next year. I, I think A&M is the team that excites me the most ahead of 2023 because I honestly don't know what I'm going to get, but I feel like the journey is going to be pretty fun next yeah. year. Oh, absolutely. And now finally, the final team. I don't know what the journey is going to be like next year for South Carolina. And here's the thing for South Carolina, before we even talk about the people that are coming and going. Oh, no. No one else is getting worse. South Carolina can improve and still be number 13. The only team that I feel uncomfortable about next year in terms of improvement is Missouri, just because of right. who they are losing. True. Otherwise, I feel at least neutral about every team. <laughs> exactly. So, I, I uh, they're... Like if anybody, the most important portal shoppers of anybody in this conference is probably South Carolina. Yeah, you got to bring some people in. Departures, Katie Preble, good power. Kelsey O, uh, I just wanted to talk about her because frankly, it's unfortunate how her career played out. A great freshman season, marred by injuries pretty much from there on and just never could reach the heights that she had when she was first on the scene. And it's kind of sad. You see yeah. athletes have careers like that. What could have been, we'll never know for Kelsey O. Yeah. Like, yeah. Her freshman year, she looked like she could have been a, you know, an all-conference type pitcher. 
for an entire year and then uh, for her entire career. And then it just, you know, injuries just kept her from being able to do that. But I hated to see that. Yeah. Cassidy Krupit currently in the portal. You got a couple players who can come back in Jordan Fabian. Uh, we know that we'll see Bettenbaugh, White, Powell, um, Kumiyama, Blampede. I'm reading a lot of pictures there, Tom. Trahan, Gallagher, Henderson, like there are four or five pitchers in there. The the volume of pitchers was not the issue. No, they've got to develop an ace. They have to. And I think Leah Powell's got the most experience. I think Skylar Trahan has a little something there. If you can uh, continue to tweak her pitches, she showed good sparks last year. But all in all, Bev Smith and that staff has got to get to work because like you said, the league is not getting worse right. and South Carolina has got to do something different because finishing under 500 and finishing three and 21, like they did this past year, didn't get a cut. It. No, it, the league is not getting worse. And plus there's a couple more teams that are coming in that are definitely not getting, they will, worse. they will not be easy wins. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, the, the RPI will not go down <laughs> when Oklahoma and Texas come in. There you go. That's all 13 sec teams. We're about to go through the you know two-month lull and doldrums of the college sports calendar before volleyball, soccer, and football get underway in late mid to late August. But th- this has now become the season where you know you have all the portal jumps, you have the coaching changes, and you have realignment talk and other things that happen. So there's going to be some news coming out. Yeah, you think it's going to be quiet? No, That's no. not real. No such thing as that anymore. <laughs> you mentioned portal season. Here are some key portal peeps outside the SEC. This has been reported on, on various sites, D1, extra innings, all that jazz. Uh, Mackenzie Wagner at Liberty, FGCL. Liberty, uh, Liberty. Maya Stevenson at Marshall coming to the FGCL this summer. So I'll find out. Uh, the all-time home runs career leader at Marshall. So Big bat. We'll see where she goes. Mm -hmm. Rachel Becker, the All-American from Purdue. The big one I I think that everyone's looking at is Alex Taraco from Michigan, the All-American pitcher. She just took a visit at Oklahoma. There are a bunch of teams rumored to be in the mix for her. This is, I I think, the prize bell cow here in the portal right now. And on behalf of everybody else in college softball, (laughs) I would like to propose a rule (laughs) just for this year that Oklahoma can bring nobody in from the portal. (laughs) They are, they're not allowed. <laughs> Maybe just, you're not allowed to bring in any All-Americans. That's, <laughs> that's your, uh, come yeah. on. Just, no, just come on. Yeah, <laughs> give, give everybody else a chance. Uh, we'll see Alex Straco in the FGCL as well. Looking forward um, to that. While she's making various visits to multiple schools, it sure sounds like she's doing her due diligence here, which is how it should be done. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a another chance for you to have a recruitment uh, cycle, basically. Yeah. And especially with a lot of some of these players, and I've talked about this before, but some of these players, they committed like when they were 14 years old, you know, it's because we're, we're still in where some of these players were, you know, went through all their recruiting before the latest rules were made where you, they kind of cut down on, on the real early recruiting. So, you know, some of these people are in the portal because they made a decision when they were, you know, basically a different person when they, yeah. when they were really young. So if you're in the portal, I, I definitely, you know, encourage you to take as many visits as you can soak it up yeah yeah I, I there are a couple other michigan wolverines annabelle Weidra from the great state of alabama in the portal good two-way player you've got hannah carson who was taraco's catcher in the portal Weidra used dixieland delight as her walk yes music. and i appreciate that yes. i can't tell you the first time i don't remember what game it was but i was watching michigan and all of a sudden i hear shram my dollar and i was like what, what? <laughs> who? 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 what? <laughs> Like Speaking of, Mackenzie Donahue from Oklahoma <laughs> is in the portal. Yes. 
just epic women's college world series in 2021 not the year she was looking for at OU this year there's a lot behind that that we're not going to talk about on this podcast but uh she's in there Sarah Willis from Washington yeah a circuser coming back to the FGCL by the way a defending champ yeah of the pitcher incredible outfielder Mm -hmm. so good get for anybody there Allie Miklish from Wisconsin McKenna Kleithermes from Oregon along with Rachel Sid another big pitching bell cow is Peyton Gottschall from Bowling Green some coaching changes in the Mac so Gottschall's on the portal right now and uh, it sure sounds like she's getting a lot of looks from a lot of big time programs oh I mean she's you know you look at that you know we've we saw what Dells was able to do from Tulsa Uh, we saw what Trotwine was able to do from North Texas just because you're a mid-major pitcher it's actually, it could be a, a positive for you. Yeah. That, that you can come in, you have this stuff that you maybe developed late in your, you know, either in your high school career or early in, in your college career. Now you have power five stuff and uh, we'll see what happens where, where she goes. A couple of Oklahoma State cowgirls, Brianna Evans, your second baseman and Carly Petty, your other second baseman who kind of bounced around. And finally, a couple of the Sun Devils who are in the portal, Allison Royalty, Royalty, who has shown some good stuff at times in the circle, was really strong her freshman year this year, not quite the numbers she was looking for. Lindsay Lopez had an excellent season, and Alina Torres, I apologize if I'm getting that wrong, from Arizona State, uh, who was at the top of the lineup pretty much all year. The assumption is that those players are going to college station, but all of them probably aren't, and, and right. they might go to some other places out West. Who knows where all these people will go? That's the fun of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's another recruiting cycle. It's another thing that you're gonna have to look at just moving forward. You know, if you're if you're a fan, know that we gotta look at the portal every year. Yeah, it's just be prepared. Mm-hmm. Follow all of the people who tweet portal things. Something might've broken while we're recording. That is <laughs> always, always a possibility. A possibility. The, the most important thing that happened today was the Tennessee baseball loss. Oh, Tom, I knew that would come up. Mm. Let's see. I don't see anybody else in yet today. So okay. All right. Yeah. By, by tomorrow, who knows? Like, Jordy Ball could be right. in the portal. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm not reporting. No. That's okay. Fine. All right. Uh, but you never know. It's an ever-changing landscape. Okay, Tom. Time to put on the afterburners. Are you ready? You yes. got the sign. From... Oh, yes. Green light, guys. Come talk to me. That's what Patrick (laughs) Murphy And we are on the run. It's time to steal a second. When we come back, Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy is here. Uh, This is one of the first interviews he's done since the season ended. And we got a lot that we're going to cover with Coach Murphy. That's next here on the Out of the Box Podcast. podcast it is the season four finale it is time to steal second with the head man of the university of alabama the hall of famer in multiple halls of fame alabama head coach patrick murphy coach so good to see you how are you hey good to see you guys it's like you know it seems like it was shoot six months since i last saw you which is really weird (laughs) but um we are getting ready for summer camp we have uh shoot over 360 kids coming this week and uh, Steph, me, Ryan, Allie, Jaden, we're all praying for no rain. And, you know, I know it's going to be hot, but the rain is what kills you during, you know, softball, baseball camp, because there's so many camps going on at Alabama and, um, at the same time. So if we can stay outside, it's going to be a good week. Cause I know we'll have uh, lots and lots of really, really good campers and some, some fun times. 
Yeah, we did, for the most part, a pretty good job staying away from the rain in the softball season. So hopefully it carries over into the summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, we, um, we get to use the rec center fields and our field and our hitting facility. And, you know, there's a lot of things, um, you know, in the clubhouse even, if it does rain. And then we go across the street sometimes in the rec center because, you know, there's, shoot, eight basketball courts and um, not very many people on campus at this time. So we do have some possibilities, but it's a fun week. And, you know, we got kids coming from all over the country. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Coach, I know we want to start with last season. Obviously, it ended before we all wanted it to, but so many good memories along the way with Team 26. What are your lasting impressions of this past softball season with Alabama? Well, you know, I was over at the clubhouse today, and um, I always try to go over after the season and because my desk inside the clubhouse, and you guys have probably seen it, is like piled high with box scores and lineup cards and you name it, stats from every team that we play. So just cleaning that out. And one of the things that I found was um, the regional championship uh, lineup card from last year when we beat Clemson. And uh, up at the top, I think I had put hashtag 44 in a row or 43 in a row, whatever it was. And, and um, you know, you really have to credit Stanford for coming into regionals and uh, probably didn't do a good enough job of that, but, you know, much respect to them and the young lady, uh, their pitcher had a great weekend, you know, and for them to come in and I think it was 44 in a row because we beat Chattanooga uh, Friday night uh, to do what they did, you know, kudos, because obviously you guys know it, that was since what, 2007, I think that streak started and, I doubt that you ever see a streak like that again, unless we do it again. But, um, you know, it just, um, you know, we had some really good times. You know, we were, I think we were eight and one against the field that's, that was in Oklahoma city. Uh, you know, like today I'm watching college baseball and Alabama swept a team at their place. That's going to play in Omaha. Yeah. I think they went three and one against Arkansas there in Omaha. Um, it's just crazy how it happens. And, I really didn't think we peaked too early. Um, you know, I still felt like we were going to play our best game. And, you know, I guess we just ran out of opportunities. But, um, you know, Montana was an All-American for the second time. Uh, Kaylee Tao and her were academic All-Americans. Tao now is a four-time academic All-American, which is tough to do. Her and Bailey Hempel are the only ones that have done it. And obviously, both of them got a COVID year. But, um some really good things and, you know, some, some things to look forward to. We're going to Texas next year. Um, I don't know if you guys know that, but uh, we're finally going to make that trip over there because of the snowstorm a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, obviously they had a great run at the end of the year and we're kind of like parlaying that into the SEC, uh, you know, new teams and have an opportunity to go to Austin. Uh, I thought nobody on this team has been there. So, That'll be kind of cool. Maybe some of the freshmen next year will now, um, if and when they uh, get into the SEC, or I guess I should say if or when, um, we'll have an opportunity to play in Austin. So we'll get to see their field and get used to that. And we get to go down to Clearwater, um, play in a really, really good tournament. I think probably the best tournament in the country uh, preseason. And uh, see, I'm sure we'll see some really good teams there. But, um, you know, overall, the fans were incredible. 
you know, 3207 season tickets sold. Uh, and you guys know this, I've said this before, we could have sold every single seat as a season ticket. And Beverly Chandler and I talked about it and we just really didn't want to, you know, when you sell, when you sell that many season tickets, that takes away the walk-up tickets because then they take away those, those opportunities. And I asked her, I said, you know, can we assume that 400 people aren't going to show up? And she said, no, you can't do that. That's, that's not, uh, <laughs> can't do that. And uh, the fire marshal wouldn't like it. And her boss wouldn't like it. And my boss probably wouldn't like it. So we stopped at 3,200 and then we basically had 700 tickets to sell on game day. And I haven't seen the final numbers, but at one time it was uh, 36 something, uh, 3,600 average attendance, which would break our record from a couple of years ago. So the fans were great. You guys were awesome. Uh, the coverage by the media was really good this year. I thought the World Series, they did a great job. Um, you know, all the super regionals, regional action. And, you know, we finally got Francesca and Nea into town for our regional. And, um, you know, it was really cool to see them. With the, <clears throat> the way that the season ended, was there any, was there one thing that you could kind of point to on what happened toward the end of the year? Or was it just kind of a, a combination of a bunch of different things? Yeah, it was probably a combination. And obviously, you know, we had to use Montana a little bit more than we wanted to. But I really thought, you know, she, she's somebody that she wants to do it. She wants the ball every game. And, um, you know, Stanford just hit her the first game. And um, obviously we won the second game. And then the third game came down to, you know, for all the marbles. And um, again, we just, we didn't get that big hit again. And it killed us down the stretch the last like 25 games. Um, we had people on and, you know, I thought maybe the, the right people up to bat, but it's just, it just drives you nuts when you don't get that hit. And, you know, again, I'm watching all these baseball uh, postseason games and I feel really bad for Southern Miss because they kind of went through that same thing. They played really well against LSU and then kind of, they couldn't get the hit, you know, they had bases loaded several times and they're playing at home. So it's just one of those things. And, um, and you guys know what it's like, like, it's not like anybody's trying to get out or trying to miss it or whatever. Uh, it's just that for whatever reason, it seems like when you get into a slump, it's a team slump and not an individual slump, you know, like, great, you can go ahead. You can go over 20, but Tom, you're not <laughs> right. But, and you know, you know, that you know, you know, the saying good hitting is contagious, but so is bad hitting. And unfortunately it's just like shooting, you know, look at men's basketball. You know, they went for a stretch there where you couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and it just became like this team um, thing. And Tom, you're sitting at the scorer's table every game. So you know what I'm talking about, but um, so that's something we're definitely going to work on next season and um, somehow, some way, um, just more competition, more, not, not more competition, more competitive games in practice where there's, you know, second and third, one out, bases loaded, two out, something like that. Mm. Just so they get that feeling of continuous pressure and practice. Yeah, coach, that was my next question because everybody I've talked to, whether it be players or, or coaches or media people, they always say that when a year ends disappointingly, it just motivates you more for next year. And you just talked about wanting to do more competitive things in practice. So are there any other tweaks you're gonna look at making next season and maybe going forward at Alabama? Well, we always, you know, um, I sit down, obviously, and I, Nate gives me, 
60,000 pages of stats and um, all that stuff. You look at, look at everything. And I've had people tell me that the concession stand food wasn't the greatest. (laughs) That's going to go on the list. Yeah. Um, You know, just everything, whether parking or game day management or everything. So everything gets looked at and, um, you know, you try to make a decision where it's going to be better than what it was before. So that goes for everything on the field too. Um, Pitching, defense, hitting, everything. And then obviously we ask the girls, there's three questions that I ask every kid. What did you like? What didn't you like? And then the third thing is what would you like to see more of? And everybody on the team gets those three questions and um, they come up with some really good answers. And of course I compile everything, write them down and I type them up on a uh, a list and um, I give them to everybody and um, no names attached. It's all, you know, anonymous, but um, that helps. So what did you like? What didn't you like? And what would you like to see more of? And I've done that for a couple of years now and it's, it's really been helpful. And then in the fall, when we do do some of those things, what would you like to see more of? Or they give me good suggestions. I say this came from a play from a player meeting because um, that way they kind of know that they are getting listened to or that I'm listening to them. Um, just things like that. And obviously you want to improve as a program every single year. And I, what were we, we won 42 games, I think. 44, 40, I believe. 40. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 44 and 13, I think. was. Yeah. The yeah. So, you know, and, we still, we were finished second in the SEC and, you know, it just, I know you guys felt like it was a down year. You know? Well, <laughs> you just, the, the season it, wasn't good. The season was good enough for us to be the number six overall national seed. It was just, you know, the, the end wasn't what we wanted. Yeah. And I know. Uh, so. Oh, oh, I know we're not, not going to talk about individual players um, unless you really want to, but uh, you know, we've seen it not just in Alabama, but a lot of places where Pete, there's been a, a, a lot of people going into the transfer portal. Um, what would kind of be your message to Alabama fans that maybe see those reports and wonder, oh my gosh, what is, what is going on in Alabama? But it's happening pretty much everywhere. Yeah, number one, support regardless, okay? Stay positive. We don't need any negativity, you know, and this is a challenging time for every kid, every every player, right? Regardless year, we're just, we're just removed from a pandemic from months ago. Right. Mm -hmm. So just be positive with everybody. Wish everybody the best and then cheer really, really hard for the kids that are coming in and then the kids that are coming back. So, you know, it, it needs to be a good fit both ways and, you know, maybe it wasn't and um, we're going to wish them the best of luck and, you know, I'm sure they're going to do good things wherever they end up. And then, you know, we've already had one kid commit that was on the portal and um, just a great young lady, an in-state kid, um, Emma Broadfoot. I don't, I'm sure you guys saw it, but, um, you know, that's an opportunity when one door closes, another one opens and, you know, we'll find what we need and get ready to go in the fall. And coach, I think in a way it's also kind of exciting that this is really the first time ever for you and for your staff that you have a chance to truly attack the transfer portal. You brought in players for sure, but but now you can really kind of take a broad look at 
what is a wide talent pool this year at pretty much every position. Is, is that fun to get a chance to kind of do that part of coaching and recruiting that you really haven't had to do in the past? Well, I know, I don't know if I'd use the word fun. <laughs> um, and you guys are right. I think Tom said it that, you know, I talked to Nate Oates. I talked to a couple other buddies and, and uh, a baseball head coach and a power five uh, conference, a good buddy of mine. And you're right. It is. It's, I don't want to say it's like the way of the world now, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And it's, it's going on in every sport. I need to do a better job. You know, I'm not going to push any blame on anybody, but I need to do a better job of my responsibilities. I got to have a better, I need to do better at connecting with everybody. And that piece is still like number one in my book, the connection, uh, because everybody wants that. It doesn't matter if you're a female athlete or a male athlete, it does not matter. Kids want connection because they've missed it. So I got to do a better job of that. And then, um, you know, like, you know, you look at Ashley and Allie and, um, you know, they had a great experience and they were awesome for us and it was something different. And so hopefully the kids that we get, um, coming in, they'll feel the same way. So, and that was, that was kind of a unintended kind of bonus because, you know, you don't, you don't know what you got until you hear from somebody else maybe. And, you know, you hear all the stories and stuff like that. And, um, you know, our support system here is, I think the best in the country, nutrition, strength, athletic training, media, you know, Nate, video, Scott, James, you know, all those people, they, you know, you guys would do anything for anybody. And, um, we just maybe need to communicate that more. Looking at the uh, 2022 season for Montana, we, you know, we talked about it during the year that sometimes you just run out of adjectives and way to describe how good she is. Uh, but what, what did you think, what did you see from her in 2022 and how much do you think that she pitching for team USA in the world games and other things she's going to do, how much does that help her for her coming up last season here at Alabama? Well, you know, to be, you know, our preseason schedule was incredible. You know, we beat Virginia tech twice. We beat uh, Arizona and Oregon state. <laughs> You know what happened there. <laughs> so play, play two play two World Series themes first weekend. Didn't even know it. Yeah. And you know, love Caitlin Lowe, love Laura Berg. So proud of those ladies. They were that was awesome to see. Um and Virginia Tech, you know, kudos to Pete and his bunch. You know, they come down and he, you know, he he even I remember the phone call. Hey, I need to up my RPI. I said, get down here. And he ends up number three. We're number six. Mm -hmm. You know, they had a great year and they should be very proud. And, you know, I know they didn't make it to Oklahoma city, but you guys saw the crowds in Blacksburg. I mean, they elevated the sport of softball in that area by a mile mm -hmm. and made little, little girls fans of softball for years and years to come. So I know he's probably still um, like me um, in mourning, but, he's got to realize the bigger picture and what they've done this year. And, and Miss Rochard is just incredible. And, mm -hmm. you know, what a great career she had. So, uh, but Montana, um, you know, when I, I'm not looked at the, the pitching starts, but that's one thing I do in terms of like, what are we going to do better? And 
I go through every game and I say, was it a good start or not? There's usually, it's not a case where, uh, you know, it's either a good start or no. And, you know, the LSU, um, first game, you know, it was a doubleheader because we got rained out, not a good start. Um, but there, what I can't think of very too many, um, others that wasn't a good start where she gave us an opportunity to win. That's all you ask for, um, you know, as a coach, when you write Montana Fouts flex, you know, in the 10 spot, give us a chance to win the game period. Mm-hmm. So she's still doing that. She did a great job, you know, second team all American. Uh, I really do think that this is going to be a huge experience for her uh, this summer. And obviously, you know, we can all go it's in Birmingham and it's a short tournament. You know, I think it's only like five days. So the, it's going to be fast and furious. And uh, the gold medal game is July 13 on a Wednesday night. And I, I think that USA gets night games the whole way through, which is good because, you know, it's going to be hotter than heck, but um, <laughs> a great opportunity for her. And, you know, she doesn't know her role. I don't know her role. I'm not the coach. So it's up to coach tar and whatever her role is, she'll play it to perfection, which is really cool. So it could be that she's the number one pitcher, or it could be she's the fourth pitcher. Either way, she's going to learn something and it's going to help us out because she's going to bring that experience back to us. So, um, you know, when they, when she was on that junior team, she was not the number one, you know, it was the young lady from UCLA, Megan. And uh, she pitched the majority of those games uh, when they won the gold medal. So either way, it's going to be a great experience for her. And obviously when you have USA across your chest, it just ups the ante that much more. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing her and Hayden McClenney. It's going to be awesome. Um, You know, at the Alabama sports hall of fame, Gene Hallman was inducted and um, we talked for a long time before about let's get 13,000 in the Hoover Met. And he's excited. I'm excited. And I know you guys are. And um, so that, that would be incredible if we could get, you know, 13,000 for that gold medal game, because, uh, you know, Jap- Japan gets 20,000. We can get 13. Absolutely. For sure. Just like, <laughs> okay, see light. I, I did want to ask a, a follow-up about Montana because I, I feel like, unfortunately, you know, the results kind of overshadowed one of the real storylines from regionals, which was Montana's changeup. You know, we've we've been talking about it for years and people saying, why didn't she have one? And we've explained, well, she does, but it's about the comfort that she feels when throwing it in practice and in bullpens. It really came out in a strong way on that Sunday. And I'm curious as the coach, as the head coach, what were your main takeaways watching her utilize that pitch so effectively? You're right. And I'm glad you did bring that up because I remember in the press conference, that was one of the positives that I said afterwards. And it was, it was the best that it had looked in her career without a doubt and uh, threw it on a different or uh, threw it in different counts, threw it for a strike, um, got swings and misses, got rollovers, you know, uh, and she should be, she should feel really, really good about it. And I, you know, it, she has to have it in international play is you just, you cannot go without it. And uh, so hopefully it'll continue to get better. And I know probably they're going to, hopefully they'll throw it this summer. Um, I know she'll probably want to, which is a good thing because, you know, uh, those ladies from Japan and shoot Canada, wherever, you know, Chinese Taipei, China, Australia, they're all good. And if they think that, um, you're throwing hard, all they're going to do is gear up and, you know, swing out of there, you know, what, 
<laughs> so when she has that extra little pitch um, that she can throw for a strike, that's when your, your mind starts to, Oh, she's got to change up. I have to, you know, you start thinking about it. So it's, that was great. It was a awesome job by her and Steph at the end of the year. And at the end of the year with Kilfoyle not available, we saw both Alex Salter and Jayla Torrance pitch in some pretty high leverage situations. And I thought they both did really, really well. Um, what, what will be key for them in taking that next step for 2023? Well, I think, you know, we had good uh, meetings with them and they're both really excited. You know, Jayla last year, she wanted to throw 70 um, and she did that quite often. I think she's going to add another pitch. Um, something that, um, you know, she gets rollovers. So hopefully uh, she'll come back this spring and she'll have Steph's drop ball from when she played because that was a nasty pitch. <laughs> and Salty, you know, Salty proved that she's a gamer. She's competitive. She wants the ball as well and um, came up with some really big innings for us. Um, her changeup was great. I thought her drop ball was good. You know, and I said, you know, what pitch do you think got hit the most? And she named it and I said, well, then we need to work on that pitch. And uh, she really never hesitated when I asked that question. So she knew right away. So I said, okay, then we need to get that pitch better and, you know, maybe location better, whatever. Um, so I'm excited about her and um, both of them really, you know, because mm -hmm. really good kids, they work their butts off and um, they both want the ball. Patrick Murphy joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast. Coach, you already mentioned the two transfers, and I wanted to kind of take it back to a year ago. When the news came out that Allie Shipman and Ashley Prangy were coming to Alabama, I feel like everybody in the media was so focused on Allie Shipman. It was like, oh my gosh, a Shipman's coming to Alabama. She's going to be behind the plate. This is great. I think we all kind of overlooked Ashley Prangy. She turned out to be the most consistent and clutch hitter in the offense this entire year. Did you know what you had? when you brought her in and what can she do to continue that development going forward in this program? No, not really. And, you know, my, um, she played with Montana and uh, juniors in high school uh, when they won PGF and they were on the same team. And, you know, she said, Hey, I just remember that she was a very hard worker, you know, and everybody we talked to said she's a hard worker. Well, I think she was, I don't remember what she hit the year before, maybe 260 or whatever. Um, but we knew she was athletic. She played many positions. She had a really good arm, um, had some pop, but, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't envision uh, first team all sec, um, shoot. She let off for most of the year, which is, you know, where she was hitting in the first tournament. Yeah. Eight or nine. Was, yeah. Eight, right. Nine. Nine. Cause Bloodworth was eight. In right. Yes. Slam. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Prangy was in the nine spot and, um, she worked her way all, you know, started from the bottom and now she's here. <laughs> so she, uh, great kid, you know, um, played really good defense too. Mm -hmm. uh, under 10 errors. Uh, I think she can be better. Um, I think she, um, she used the middle of the field a lot when she hit, which is, I think, a, a good, good mark of a good hitter. But I know she can get better. Uh, power numbers can go up. Um, her strikeout to walk ratio was pretty good. That can be better. Um, so yeah, she was, she was a great surprise and really, really played well from game one to the end of the year. And you're right, Gray. She was the most consistent hitter in the lineup all year long. And then Allie did have a great year. She, she was also uh, first team, uh, 
but she kind of had a little bit of a, a dip, you know, toward the end of the year as far as putting up numbers. Uh, what will she need to do to kind of be more consistent next season? Well, yeah, you're right. It's, and, you know, she, she started off with a shoot every first RBI she had. Right. It seemed like anybody, anytime anybody was in scoring position, she drove her in. And um, she might have had a, game, uh, a stretch of 15 to so games where um, she needs to strike her or shrink her strike zone. Yeah. And, um, but when you look at her walk to strikeouts, it's pretty good too. Yeah. Just not as many, but she didn't have, she had more walks and strikeouts. So she has really good hand-eye coordination. She, she hits the ball almost every single time. You know, she doesn't strike out very often. Um, she only had one error all year and it was to play at Florida, um, where, you know, yeah, yeah, we know. We, we, we talked know. about it. We discussed that. <laughs> you know, unfortunate, but really not an error. Right. Um, nobody ran against us. She literally took away the running games of every team that we played. So just, again, great kid, great young lady. Um, and I know both of them are just going to be hungrier than hell uh, next year, along with Montana, Bailey Dowling, Jenna Johnson, you know, a lot of the upperclassmen now, Jayla Torrance is – a junior gosh you know it's really weird her <laughs> her haney cat grill you know you get talk about cat grill you know and if i had a dollar for everybody that would say you know she'd never play for you you know we all three of us could retire and <laughs> she's a kid like a chandler dare a jordan patterson that just works and works and works and never is afraid of any moment doesn't let it get too big you know stays on an even keel all the time. And, you know, she ends up hitting close to 300 and provided some big, big hits. And I know she's going to be hungrier uh, to do better. And Jenna Johnson as well. Um, you know, she started out really well and then she had a little slump and she went from one to nine. And, you know, at the end of the year, she leads off that game with a home run against Chattanooga in the um, losers bracket. And I think that gave her some confidence going into next year as well. And, um, She's, I still think she's going to be a really, really good. She's a great outfielder right now, but I think she could be a really good offensive player for us as well. Mm. Well, coach, now we're officially turning the page to 2023. And uh, I, I assume the SEC coaches group text is changing a bit with the shift at A&M with Trisha Ford coming in and Joe Evans no longer with the program. I want to give you a chance to talk about coach Evans, because I know you've known each other for a long time. You've played each other for a long time and what a career she had in college station. Yeah. And the first word that comes to mind is just classy. Um, to me, I've known her forever and being in the meetings with her at the SEC for the last 10 years, whatever it is, nine, you know, she always had the sports best interest at heart, never Joe Evans best interest. And that's a rarity. Believe me, it's a rarity. And she did. So whenever she talked about things, it was about the sport and the good of the sport. So I'm going to miss that voice. Um, I'm not sure what she's going to do if she wants to coach or she's just going to drink margaritas on a beach somewhere where she's earned. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, she was very classy, um, always by the rules, you know, never had to worry about her and, um, just a great lady. So, uh, and kudos to her on a great career because, you know, it's tough to be at a school for, what'd you say? 26 years. I think so. Yeah. yeah that's pretty incredible. <laughs> and then, uh, and, 
for Alabama in the 2023 season, we talked a little bit about the schedule coming up, the trip out to Texas, but also the uh, the Clearwater Invitational going back down there with just an unbelievably stacked field. It always is, but you look at it this year, Arizona, Duke, Florida State, Louisiana, Michigan, Oklahoma State, UCLA, Virginia Tech, plus some other SEC teams going down there. Um, how important was it to have that type of schedule in the non-conference when, when you're kind of building that up for next season? Well, that sounded like everybody in Super Regionals. Pretty um, much, yes. <laughs> Jeepers. Uh, and kudos to them for getting everybody. So, you know, Texas, and I don't want to give away my whole schedule to you guys, but sure. since we're on. Um, so we're going to be home for the first weekend for the first time in a long, long time. Mm. You know, I try to get a team to go on the road, uh, mesh a little bit, then come home. But, you know, just the way the schedules work this year, uh, we're at home for the first weekend, then we go to Clearwater, then we come home again. Uh, we go to Texas, I think it's the second week of March. And um, I believe, and I, I shouldn't, I won't say who it is just in case that, that they're not coming, but it was a Big Ten team who was in regionals that was also there. And I think there's going to be four teams just like our tournaments. So we'll play five games there. We'll play five games in Clearwater, all of our tournaments, five games. Um, and, you know, it's, we didn't, we couldn't find anybody like a Virginia Tech to come uh, preseason to us. So we tried to get as many teams that were in the tournament this year on the schedule. And we did a pretty good job of that. Uh, a team like Lehigh who won the Patriot League, they're coming for the first time. So it'll be cool. That coach is a great guy and love him and his family. So that'll be fun to have him in town. Um, and then one more little thing, we're going to go to Marshall for uh, Montana's home visit. And we're going to play uh, a doubleheader at Marshall um, late in the season. So we don't run into any snow, but it'll be uh, just a great opportunity for all the people up in that area where, he, where she's from grandparents, cousins, friends, high school teammates, you name it, um, to get to see her up there. Cause I know a lot of them don't get to come down here because it's an eight hour car ride. So uh, be, I'm happy to do that. Uh, and always thinking, you know, what's best for the game, not what's best for me, <laughs> uh, i.e. Western Kentucky. <laughs> so, um, Anyway, it'll be it'll be a great experience for all of us just to go up to her house and you know meet everybody. Yeah, the Western Kentucky game aside, uh, great, great time, great food at the tower. Yeah, so you know that's. Yeah. You know. Oh, I know. The <laughs> uh, Kentucky Brown is that what it's called? Yeah, yes. the uh, the hot brown, hot brown Kentucky slider something. Tao oh. tweeted me a picture of it. I was like, come on, <laughs> meet press box hot dog. Yeah, that was uh, Mrs. Tao. Wow, she outdid herself on that. <laughs> so we'll, let's we'll see what uh montana's mom comes up with. yes <laughs> no, no pressure <laughs> yeah no pressure mom's hungry yes exactly <laughs> we only talk about it on this podcast right uh coach one last thing before we let you go again we've turned the page to 2023 and i know that there's a long time until february when the season starts we've got I'll be at the FGCL. We've got world games. We've got Sydney pitching and athletes unlimited tomorrow. There's so much fall ball. Like there is so much between now and the beginning of next season, but what excites you the most about team 27 and the 2023 campaign for your team? Well, I just think it's uh, the word that comes to mind is redemption. And um, you know, if you've seen the movie uh, um, with mercy me and the song, uh, I can only imagine um, that's a major theme of that movie. And it just drives me to no end 
uh, and like you said, you know, we were the sixth seed and it, you know, here I am talking about redemption, <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously we want some of these kids to experience what it's like to be in Oklahoma city and, you know, a Prangy, a Shipman, um, and then all our new kids. So we're just going to do whatever we need to do. And we're going to work hard and smart and, um, you know, just have another great year and hopefully break attendance records and, um, just have a lot more fun. You do it. You had that motivation because I was something we're going to, we're going to actually talk to Sydney in just a few minutes. And I'm going to ask her about this too, but like, you can, you can tell them until you're blue in the face, you know, don't take it for granted. You, you know, that you know, we're not guaranteed to be able to get to supers. We're not guaranteed to go to the world series, but now that it has happened, you know, I would think it would be motivation, not just for you guys, but for the players as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, you're right. It, you, you, it's not a automatic, you know, just because you have Alabama across your chest, it just doesn't work that way, you know? And, um, you know, the biggest thing down the stretch, and I told the team this, is you're trying to end the careers of the teams that you're playing, those seniors, you know, the Stanford ladies, the UTC ladies, the Murray State ladies, you know, you're trying to say, I'm going to grab that jersey off your back and you never get to wear it again. And, you know, obviously, as you saw, it's a difficult thing to do. Um, and then the next week in Oregon State goes into Stanford and sweeps them with, you know, two games and very well played and, you know, they turn the tables on them. So it is, um, you, I still think though, you have to do all those little things very well, you know, and the little things add up to big things. And, um, so we're going to work on all those little things all fall. So, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, we didn't really talk about fall ball, so we're going to have eight games again in the fall. We're going to go up to Albertville, hopefully. <laughs> no weather. Um, <laughs> Please. Yes. It's a Wednesday, October 12th, and we're going to play JSU again. And, um, you know, we're going to take the show on the road. So that means that there'd be seven games in T-Town for the fall. And I know a lot of people have start having withdrawals <laughs> around the end of September. And so they'll get an opportunity to watch all our new kids and uh, Team 27. Sounds good to me. We'll be there All every right. pitch. Like we're, we're along for the ride, coach. Yeah. Uh, always good to see you. Thank you so much for taking some time to, to talk about everything. Uh, yeah. and we hope you enjoy the summer and, uh, and uh, we're fired up and very excited to see you with team 27. And I can't believe I'm saying this the year 2023. Yes. It's crazy. No. Yeah. Thanks for everything that you guys do. I really appreciate it. Not only for us, but for the entire sport, because you guys are great ambassadors for the sport of softball. Thanks, thanks coach. coach. All right. You guys take it easy. So that was Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. When we come back, we will chat with one of his former players coming to us from San Diego, my TV partner, Sydney Little John Watkins. She's next on the Out of the Box podcast when we round third. to the out of the box podcast it is a season four finale gray robertson and tom canterbury we are rounding third with someone who has not appeared yet on the show in season four and it was high time that we had sydney little john watkins back on the program sid the all-american from alabama currently out in san diego with aux how are you partner i'm doing good how are y'all 
fine. Good. Yeah. <laughs> not in San Diego. <laughs> and, not in San Diego, unfortunately, the greatest city in the history of mankind. But you know, you know, it, it, it's great, and the weather's pretty great too. And that's a lot coming from me, considering I live in Florida. So. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, there's so much we want to get into, Sid, and in particular, AUX. We'll, we'll come to that last because I'm very excited about your team this week. But oh, I know. Uh, but I wanted to start with Alabama and what 2022 looked like. As an alum, you, you were watching the games. You came up and called some of the games with me on SEC Network Plus. What's your takeaway from this past season for Team 26? You know, I think it's one of those years where you have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and sometimes that's just how it is. I mean, we all know that, I mean, don't get me wrong, Oklahoma probably was the most talented team in the country this year, so they deserved it. But, I mean, this was a year that not all of the most talented teams went to the World Series, and that's not knocking any team that went. It's just overall, like, based on how the year played out, you know, rankings and everything else like it wasn't the best teams overall but it was who was the best at the right time and I think for Alabama you know they just didn't peak at the right time maybe they peaked a little too early in the season and you know it's I think this kind of alludes to something that y'all said in the last podcast but with the the law of averages like sometimes it just catches up with you and this I mean you know, we never expected like it to be this year or really any year in the future, but we knew it eventually would happen. <laughs> so, um, but the good thing is, is I think with the girls currently on the team, you know, it's going to make them so much hungrier for next year. And I mean, I'd be scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about that motivation and how much this will help maybe team 27 and others moving forward, because like when you played, you went to the world series, your freshman and sophomore year, and then didn't get to go back. And you can kind of tell, you can tell people till you're blue in the face, you don't take it for granted. It's not an automatic that you're going to get to go. Uh, but then when it actually does happen, sometimes you have to go through that to be able to actually appreciate uh, the chances when you do get to go. Yeah. It, and you're exactly right, Tom. I mean, I went every single year, except for my senior year, which, you know, kind of, kind of got, I got butthurt a little bit about that. And, but that's okay. And, you know, I think, for them, I mean, they're never going to want to feel like this again. I mean, I know every single person on that team wants to be hoisting the trophy at the end of the year and for them not to go to the Holy Land where you can be able to do so, like, that's really going to motivate them. And, and again, not making it past regionals, like, that's a territory that no Alabama player has been at before. So, you know, that's going to be something different. Like, I, I don't know what that will be like, because, again, that's new territory. But I think it's something that if anything – I'm not going to say it's a wake-up call like in a negative way, but I think it could be something where each player that is on the team next year is not waiting around for things to happen because it's Alabama, but more of like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to make this happen because I don't want to feel like that again. Like, I think there may be a little bit more aggression and intent and, you know, those things can be good. Yeah. You know, the word that keeps coming to me a lot is assuming. I, I felt like, a lot of us just assumed that the offensive issues would be figured out, that Alabama would find a way to win, that, you know, they would bounce back from the SEC tournament and come out strong in regionals. And I feel like at the end of the day, you know, the old saying goes with assuming. And I feel like next year we'll, we'll see a team that doesn't just assume things will be better, that they will work to make sure that happens. Right. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I definitely got caught in that trap because, you know, I'm over here like it's Alabama. They'll figure it out. Like, no big deal. And, and, but you know, it's, 
it's not one of those times where like it, it's okay to not figure it out like sometimes that's just how the cards play out and so it's not like a knock against the team I still think that they were one of the best teams in Alabama softball history the cards just didn't play out in their favor and you know unfortunately softball is a game of failure so you're gonna fail more times than not and sometimes those failures hurt a little worse and so I think that it'll be something that the players returning again you know it's just going to motivate them that much more and you know they're going to be able to tell all the new people that come in like hey this is not us this is not what we're going to do that's not our standard and you know maybe and again I'm not saying that this was an issue at all for this team because I think that this was a great team they had great team chemistry but you know holding each other accountable to that standard instead of just assuming that it's going to happen you know like taking it into their own hands instead of like, oh yeah, the softball gods, they got us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my softball god have not been speaking for the last couple yeah, of weeks. Same, right. same. It's been rough. Uh, we we take a look at somebody like Montana Fouts, who quote unquote had a you know tough year by her standards. She was only second team All American and and you know blew everybody away with strikeouts. And everything. It was just you know uh, one of those type of teams. But okay. uh, yeah, what uh, what would you? want to see her maybe work on it to move towards next year and you know it, it's her last it's her last hurrah it's her last go around she's going to get to play with team usa here in, in the off season what will you be looking for her to be looking uh, to be working on you know i think it's pretty simple and i'm gonna say this like just based on my own experiences and things that i wish i would have done my last year too is that i hope she doesn't put as much pressure on herself uh, i mean she's if not the biggest, one of the biggest names in college softball. And, you know, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to play with NIL. So I can't speak to that, but I can only imagine like the amount of pressure and outside pressure, not just pitcher, not just pitcher pressure, but, you know, all those other factors going into it that can be put on her to do well. And, you know, with her doing so well and being such a strikeout pitcher, I mean, I never had this problem, but you know, it's like everybody does expect her to strike everybody out. And Mm. that's, that's a high standard to follow. And so I hope for her that she really enjoys her final year because it goes by way too fast. And so for her, I just want her to be able to, you know, be confident in her pitching, but really invest in the relationships that she has with her teammates and enjoy her time because you know, as a pitcher, especially going into your last year, if you get wrapped up and like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to be this person for my teammates. I need to be this person. While those are all very true and great things, and I'm sure she'll have to be a a different person next year than she was this year, than she was in previous years. But I hope that she's able to embrace the role that she's given, but also enjoy where she's at and Mm -hmm. not have to take on those pressures and feel like she's alone. Totally. Sydney Little, John Watkins joining us here as we round third of a season four finale. All right, Sid, uh, with Lexi Kilfoyle transferring out, I don't think it's a secret that Alabama is in the market for a transfer pitcher. And so I'm curious, it, as a pitcher who was here for four years, who worked with Stephanie Van Brakel Pro Throw, what kind of things can she provide to one of those transfer pitchers who might be looking to come to Alabama and learn a little bit more in Tuscaloosa? Well, you know, I am slightly partial to Stephanie Van Brickle Prothrow. I mean, that woman made such a difference in my life and saved my life more times than one. So I believe that, you know, she can provide everything. You know, she is a person that will go to battle 
for any of her pictures and any scenario too. I mean, even if like your hot dog doesn't come with mustard on it and you asked for mustard, like she will fight somebody for you for that reason. I feel like we've seen that happen in real time. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, that's, I mean, I'm sure you do get that from other coaches, but the way that she makes you feel about that, it's like, I never left practice one day feeling, feeling, sorry, feeling, (laughs) feeling unseen, unheard. Like she always provided an outlet for me. And, you know, if, I mean, it's no secret either. I threw one pitch. I threw a lot of various ways, but I threw one pitch. And, you know, if we were struggling with something like she would not let me leave the bullpen without fixing it. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like some bullpens that you have are just going to be bad days, but we would still get something out of it. So like, you're never going to leave the field feeling like you didn't accomplish something that day. And she also like, also too, like, it's not a walk in the park, you know, she's going to hold you accountable. It's hard work. Like pitching circuits are hard. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And, um, you know, but the reward that you get from that and the relationship that you can build with her is something that, I mean, I don't think you can get anywhere else. I mean, she is an amazing human. She's an amazing mother. She's an amazing coach. And I'm still lucky to call her an amazing friend. I mean, she's been there for, you know, since college, every important thing in my life. And I expect her to continue to be because we have that type of relationship. And, you know, so the impact that she is able to make on the women that come through that program, especially being an Alabama alum, you know, she, she knows what it means to wear the A across your chest. And if you're a pitcher and sometimes this happens, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes if you forget what that's like, she's going to remind you like, Hey, you are representing something bigger than yourself. And you do not need to take that lightly. Like she makes you a stronger person, a stronger pitcher and an overall better human being. And so I think any pitcher that gets to work with her, like that's compared to walking on water. I mean, it's a blessing in itself and any pitcher that gets to do that, like hats off to you because that's an amazing thing you get to do in life. Wow. Just, I, I'm ready to go, go pitch for a right now. <laughs> I, need, I need to, I need to learn one pitch, but yes, <laughs> yes I, right. I'm ready to go. Let's Seth go. will have me. Uh, Seth, uh, Seth. Uh, Sid, I want to ask you about uh, the, the team that you're on campus with. The only one that was able to make the women's college world series. And that was the Florida Gators who at about halfway through the season uh, did not look like a team that was going to make the women's college world series, you know, maybe not even host regionals. They, they were kind of middle of the pack in the conference. Uh, what do you think happened? When, when did the light bulb kind of turn on for the Gators to make the run that they did? You know, honestly, I think it all stemmed from whenever Hannah Adams returned, um, you know, even going into the weekend where she was returning. I mean, I was, I was doing radio actually, um, for the game where they lost against, I believe, was it Florida Gulf Coast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was Stetson or Florida Gulf Coast, but where they... Neither would have been good. Yeah, neither, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, right. where they lost to um, Florida Gulf Coast. And, you know, I left that day and I was like, wow, like, I cannot believe that just happened. But it wasn't that they played bad. You know, it was the Florida Gulf Coast pitcher, like, that is going to be her Thanksgiving story for the rest of her life. And, you know, hats off to her. She threw an amazing game and I was like, holy crap. Like she is holding her own, like good for her, you know? Right. Now, of course, if I had went to Florida, like if that was Alabama, I'd be like, no, 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 this is bad. This is very bad. (laughs) No, this is no. (laughs) So, you know, um, I had a different perspective for that, but you know, 
Hannah started to kind of come back then. She just went into pinch run, but then I think whenever she came back, like she, and I don't think anybody realized it until she was gone, the type of presence that she brought to that team, just because she, she's not like, well, I say this, I haven't played with her, so I can't speak to everything, but from what I've seen, like, she's not super like hype man, like super energetic, but I think that she is, is such a mature presence and just makes everyone on the defense feel that they are where they need to be and like she's the one of the commanders of the infield like she knows what's going on she's extremely smart with softball so having her in the field is a very heavy tool like I mean that's you know it's like having Haley McClaney in the outfield like you know you just feel so much more secure and you're not uneasy and that allowed for other people for the Gators to go back to their more comfortable positions that they were more comfortable playing. So I think that was a change. And she was just a very positive energy whenever she came back. I did notice that. And cause you know, I mean, I see them in the weight room and stuff. That's, I mean, I sit in my husband's office sometimes and then, I mean, I'm in and out of there doing stuff with football. So like I see them in the weight room and like, she was just bringing such a good positive energy and energy for them to like, not take anything for granted and to just kind of be like, Hey, like it doesn't matter where we're at. Like we still have, a lot of game left all we need is a chance and I think she really brought that mentality to their team and then of course like in the lineup I mean as a pitcher like if I see her in the lineup I'm just like oh god like I don't want to deal with her you know like (laughs) and so you know I think she brought that aspect as well and just being a thorn in the side of any pitcher and being a table setter for their lineup so I think Again, you didn't realize how much that she, like you, everybody knew that she was really good, but I don't think everybody knew the type of leader that she was. Um, and so that's what hurt whenever she left. And so everybody kind of had to adjust to it, but then she came back and then so everybody was a little bit happier, a little bit more comfortable in what they were doing. So it just, and I mean, it's Florida. They always get hot at the right time. I don't know how they do it. I, I don't know what's in their little formula that they do, but I mean, they always get hot at the right time. So what, what are they mixing together in the pitching lab? I, some kind of beaker collaboration <laughs> worked out. Well. I have been all through that pitching lab, but there, there's no special formula. I don't know what they do, but it's amazing. <laughs> All right, Sid, from the college ranks to the pro ranks, you're playing out at AUX in San Diego. And by the way, when the draft came out, what what day was that? Yesterday, Saturday, when I saw your team, Team Chittister, I got so fired up. Not only are you with like my bestie, Sam Fisher, but it's an Alabama reunion with you and Haley McClenney. How awesome is that? Oh my God. It's, it's the best ever. And I mean, y'all wouldn't know this, but I'm also with um, one of my roommates, Alyssa Denham, uh, another pitcher as well. So I'm over here like, Oh, I got all my friends. Super <laughs> nice. Like, you know, especially for like the, cause we're obviously not going to be on the same team the whole time. We'll get drafted after one full series, but I was really happy with this team, especially as my first one. Cause you know, I'm the new kid on the block. So I have uh, my roommate who's able to be like, okay, so like, let's go to practice. And the, you know, like just kind of show me the ropes. And then I have Haley who of course is going to make me comfortable in any, any situation, just having her back in center field. Um, so, and you know, there, I will say too, there's a lot of older, I'm making quotations. I know whenever people listen to this, they won't be able to see it, but I'm making the air quotations. <laughs> there's a lot of older girls on this team and, you know, I really appreciate that too. Cause I'm, again, I'm, I'm a rookie here, but I'm also one of the older girls. So 
not a Young's Fried Chicken anymore. So I have Rachel Fico in that as well. So us being the older pitchers, you know, who haven't seen batters as much lately as like a Georgina Corrick, which she's awesome, by the way. I'm super happy to be on a team with her too. But, you know, so I just, I get a lot of good vibes from this team and I'm really excited. So. Yeah, I, I'm curious, what's like the whole process like? I mean, I know you got there a couple of days ago. Have you been practicing with your team? Were you watching the draft? Like, how did you, how, did, how has the last couple of days been? Yeah, so, you know, we I got here at like 1 a.m. Thursday morning. So adjusting to, from Eastern time zone to Pacific or whatever time zone we're in right now, like that's been tough, but I'm Brutal. getting there. My, I am such a person of routine that here I wake up at, 5 30 which is 8 30 eastern time which i've already been up for a few hours at that point on eastern time but i wake up at 5 30 here and i am so hungry every morning and i'm like oh my god i need to eat <laughs> just because i'm so regimented but you know the first couple days we got here was we had some open hours over at the field um, which is like a five minute walk from where we're at so mm -hmm. that's awesome um, but you know we went out there like I, I threw the first day just light bullpen of course, it wasn't a good one because I had just traveled and got in super late. So my body needed the time to recover, but I wanted to get it moving. Uh, we have a super nice rec center, literally right across the street from where we're at. So um, they got us membership. I don't even know if it's memberships, but ways that we can go and work out. And that's super helpful. Um, you know, so we're able to do like recovery workouts and just get what we need. And then we have a lounge downstairs. It has all of like the, the hyper ice hyper bolts, which are those massage guns and all those other fun things in there. And um, so they, they've really gone above and beyond to provide for us. So it's, it's been super nice. And then yesterday was the draft Now I know usually in the championship season in Chicago or Rosemont, they do a live draft. So it wasn't necessarily live, but we were all on a zoom link. So it's like you're on a Zoom link and a Google meeting and they go through, there's a draft sheet. And whenever you go, you go into like a breakout room with your team. And that's where you decide like practices and things like that. And if you're higher up in the draft, um, you'll go into that breakout room first. So like you can even help the captain out. And, you know, if they need like a, a person to speak to, or if somebody, you know, like, I mean, I think it was something where spoken and was like hey like I know you haven't seen Sydney pitch but she does have a strength against right-handed hitters so you know that's something where I mean I was thankful for that and you know she vouched <laughs> for me so <laughs> but I mean it's it's been really cool and then we had practice yesterday afternoon and then um our orange team had practice this morning we got the early slot um, and then when, when we've had media day we've we've been doing a lot of fun things so uh, the, the only negative is that you have to wear orange. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listening audience, it's all on the ESPN family of networks and Sydney's team, Team Chittister, will get things started. I'm looking at the schedule to make sure five o'clock central time tomorrow. Uh, so as you're listening, like today, Monday on ESPNU, which is really awesome. Sid, I know Tom and I cannot wait to see a pitch. If you, if there's a chance to come in tomorrow, I might be unsafely hooking it up to the Bluetooth so I can listen to it while I'm driving to Florida. We're very proud of you. <laughs> Best of luck at AUX. And thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Always good to see you. Oh, thank you guys so much. I'm super glad I got to do this with y'all. And thanks for letting me come on. Thanks, Sid. So that was Sydney Little John Watkins. And now it is time to head home. All the fun stuff 
We've got all name team. We've got Tom's Hungry Podium. We'll wrap up season four of the Out of the Box podcast. That's next when we get back. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. It is time to head home on the season four finale. This is where the fun starts. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. Tom, are you prepared to have the tough conversations? Yeah, yes. Yes. Such as all name team. Oh man. And Tom's hungry podium. Of course. Then that's what that's what the people want. They, yeah. you know, they're like softball. Yeah, we'll take or leave what they had to say about that. How did they eat on the road? That's the yeah. question. Here's what we've done so far <laughs> as we look back at our trip around the bases. We started at the plate, looked at Alabama. 2022, turning the page 2023, talked about Oklahoma and the Women's College World Series. Then we advanced to first, broke down each SEC roster as best we can going into 2023 with the full expectation that things will change. For example, when we did that last year, we discussed Allie Shipman as part of Tennessee. And then when the 2022 season began, she was part of Alabama. So (laughs) things will change. And as we've talked with other people as well, we agree that there should be a window of time. Yes. So you shouldn't be able to go through fall and then change. The but, window is now. Right. Let's, it should yes. be the window. Transfer now. Right. You don't need or for, to go. Or forever hold your peace. A week before the season, probably not the best <laughs> Right. Timing. Yes. Then we stole second with Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. A lot of good conversation there. We rounded third with City Little John Watkins from San Diego. Going to see mm. her on TV this week. I know. Very excited. Just so cool. Founded by the Germans in 1904. <laughs> Named it San Diego. Thank you. Wales, but no. Right. <laughs> nope, and nope. now it's time to head home. And we start with all name team. So we've had an illustrious Hall of Fame mm-hmm. of all name team winners. We have, of course, Precious Bird Song right. from 2019. And we have 2020's winner, Silent Rain Espinoza. And we have the 2021 winner, Belle Wolfenden from <laughs> South Alabama. Right. Who will be the winner? Who? Oh in 2022 Mm -hmm. here are the all name team honorees and then i will pick a top two and tom you will select our champion okay here we go if you don't pick who i because i have somebody picked out oh oh no can i ask for you to add somebody if you don't name them in the final two okay we can make it a three three person sure sounds like we know who's winning (laughs) okay dream weaver southern utah capri franzen southern utah Charity Seva Atasi, Oregon State. Frankie Hamoudi, Oregon State. By the way, heck of a season for her. Oh, yeah, great. And notice I'm also allowing you to read all these off. We we do what we can. (laughs) Meredith Slaw, Virginia Tech. Claire Chakowsky, Middle Tennessee. Lainey Crater, Louisiana. FGCL Stormy Kotzelnik, Louisiana. Alexa Langliers, Louisiana. Kramer Eshte, Louisiana. No shock that Louisiana has several people on the team. Oh, yes. Samantha Guiazda, Nichols. That was fun hearing you try and say that in that game while also <laughs> freezing, being unable to speak. <laughs> right. I, I was having with normal words, I was having trouble. <laughs> Ariel Mass, Southeastern Louisiana. Bailey Kralchek, Southeastern Louisiana. Jojo Rideau, back and better than ever with UAB. Katie Simmis, Texas. Kate Kobayashi, Miami of Ohio. Jenna Golombeski, Miami of Ohio. Stephanie Schoonover, Kentucky. Julia Desiderio, South Carolina. Matalasi Fapito, Mississippi State. Phoebe Florian, Mississippi State. Miracle Crosby, Alcorn State. Star Ferguson, Texas A&M. Coco Woolley, Texas A&M. And Brooke Parrott, Chattanooga. A star-studded list. Yes, a star Ferguson-studded list. Yes, yes, indeed. Incredible. Okay, I'll pick three. Okay. 
Dreamweaver, obviously. I'm going to include Ariel Mass, southeastern Louisiana. Part of that is because of how she spells Ariel. Yes, it's awesome. A-E-R-I-Y-L. That's so cool. <laughs> Big fan. And I'm going to include Miracle Crosby from Alcorn State. Was that your... You named two that I was like, I'm glad these are the two. Okay. So, Special shout out to a couple. Um, Samantha Guiazda in particular, really awesome. But uh, your three finalists, Dream Weaver, Ariel Mass, and Miracle Crosby. All right, Tom, who's our champion? Dream Weaver. Dream Weaver. Southern Utah, very first game. Right off the gate, but yeah, you, I mean, surely to goodness, when she's at home, her walk-up music is the song Dreamweaver. <laughs> that would be my hope. I mean, come on. Hey, Patrick Murphy, if you want to schedule <laughs> Southern Utah, just so right. we can find out, that'd be great. Uh, congratulations to Dreamweaver. One of the best names in the entire sport, and I'm so thankful she was available for this. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. First game of the year, yeah. we pretty much knew. Knocked it out of the park. Oh, I, 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 Miracle Crosby was my number two, so... Oh. Miracle Crosby. Yes. Yes. Good stuff. Good year of names. It what was. will 2023 have in store? TBD. Yeah, we'll find out. We don't know players. We don't know what teams they're going to be on, but it'll be a lot of fun. All we know is we're going to Clearwater. <laughs> and we know who will be there. That's right. it. That's, That's all is... we know. We don't know who we're playing. <laughs> nope. No idea. We don't know where we're broadcasting. <laughs> what would be? What would be in a scaffold in the outfield? That's a possibility. Is there room for two? All these questions. Gray literally hanging from the rafters. <laughs> we will find out. Tom, I almost got it. <laughs> no, okay. Our all-name team winner, Dreamweaver. And now it is time to honor the cuisine mm. eaten in the year of our Lord 2022. The Tom's Hungry Podium Choices. Okay. Ooh. Last year, really tough. This year, equally as tough. Would you like to begin or should I? I think you should start. Okay. Uh, my bronze medalist is Old Time Grocery in Lafayette, oh. Louisiana. Special in my heart because it's, I think, maybe the only Tom's Hungry eligible spot we've ever gone to with Patrick Murphy. And we had those excellent po' boys. I got a half one that was the size of a regular sandwich. Just really, really good. That entire trip not lacking for food, but Old Time Grocery in particular stood out. And... Oddly enough, my only selection from the state of Louisiana, where we had a ton of options, <laughs> yes. but Old Time Grocery, to me, was the best. So that is my bronze medalist. Yeah, that, that, I, I agree. It was a lot of fun because we were there with Murph, and then we got the, the tour yes. uh, of, of the campus right afterwards. So it was a lot of fun. I, I agree. I, it does not make my podium, but it was a lot Ooh, of fun. Okay. So really what's your fun. bronze medalist? Uh, first, I would like to do an honorary mention because oh. we never actually talked about it because we, we made a special trip to Hattiesburg. Oh, it didn't make my podium either, but it made mine. Oh, no spoilers. Oh, well, then we'll talk about it when we okay. talk about it. Okay. So I am going to go. My bronze medalist is in the state of Louisiana. And it was a coach's, it was, it was a coach's suggestion, the chimes in mm. Baton Rouge. And it is here for one reason and one reason only crawfish mac and cheese. And oh my gosh, it was tremendous. So thank you, Batrina. Thank you, LSU. It, the weekend wasn't great, but the, the trip to the chimes was. And uh, I, I got the uh, crawfish mac and cheese and also duck gumbo. Yes. Both tremendous. Uh, so the chimes comes in with the bronze medal for me. Just off the podium for mm, me. Yeah, yes. just just tripped up at the finish line, finished like fourth or fifth. Okay. Uh, maybe dropped the baton at some point. But either way, <laughs> very close. The chimes, excellent. My silver medalist. Sully's Tavern in Hattiesburg. Yes. This was an iconic spot 
for the Alabama support staff for the out of the box boys prior to the creation of this podcast. And when Alabama played Southern Miss, we decided to go early and make a stop at Sully's Tavern, this delicious steakhouse. We didn't get to thoroughly enjoy the three hour experience that we did last time we were (laughs) there because we did have a game to play, but the filet was fantastic. The bread so good. Uh, I know you want to talk about it as well. There, There was so much good about it and it's one of my favorite stops that we've ever been to in oh, yeah. the history of the show. Tremendous. Still maybe the best steak I've ever had, ever. Uh, and the part of it that I love the most is that it's basically, it's in a strip mall that's like just barely off the interstate. You would not expect this is where you're going to get the best steak you've ever eaten in your life. Took me two years to find the name of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. In Hattiesburg, Mississippi. But my gosh, it was so good. Uh, I had the, the New York strip with fried shrimp. It's like just the combos that you can get. Uh, it's it's really good if you're ever in Hattiesburg. If you're driving through Hattiesburg, going somewhere else. Yeah, Ole Miss fans. Yes. If you're there right now for supers, I know. Congratulations, baseball fans for Ole Miss. You just yes. made it to Omaha. If you're sticking around and you're listening to this before you head home, go buy Sully's. Yes. Even I'm sure their breakfast is good. <laughs> Filet in the morning is yes. never a bad idea. Fine with me. Yeah, that'll <laughs> work. So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad it made your podium. It was just off mine. My bronze me- or excuse me, my silver medal is going to be a little bit kind of. It's not it's not your traditional uh, medalist for Tom's Hungry. I am going to put all the homemade stuff we got at the Mardi Gras Mambo Mambo Mambo, Mambo. As, as my silver medalist. Whether it be the red beans and rice we got from the radio color guy from from Louisiana, gumbo that we had uh, that was delivered to us that an old lady made for us over three days. I don't know what, what was in it. I don't want to know what was in it. It was delicious. Didn't um, jump out. So, no, you're fine. so that's why it didn't taste me back that I know of. Uh, so that was good. The king cakes, the numerous, so many different king cakes. So many. Yes. So I'm going to lump all that together into a silver medalist. How dare you forget <laughs> to mention the boudin egg rolls. Oh, the, oh my gosh. That's the best part. I'm sorry. Yes. The boudin egg rolls from the Habits family. Oh my gosh. This is a great decision. Thank this is much. a great silver medalist. So homemade mambo food. <laughs> yes. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. Yes. What, a, what a trip that was. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's time for our gold medalists. And here we go. For me, it is a coach's choice. And mm-hmm. it was breakfast again, breakfast well repped. Yes. On the podcast the last couple seasons. It's the divine cinnamon roll deli in Columbia, South Carolina. Bev Smith told us about it. There's a great video that we compiled of us eating and tasting Mm. on our Twitter and maybe Instagram. I can't remember. Incredible breakfast sandwiches, like to the point where it took me by surprise. It was almost my favorite part. The cinnamon rolls really good. Yeah. Good coffee. Like it checked every box. And as a new coffee drinker, I really appreciated that. So the divine cinnamon roll deli to me stood out the most it was what i was thinking about the most and we would come back from the road trips and, and it hasn't gotten out of my head right since we've been there and i cannot wait to go back so thank you to bev smith gray robertson's gold medalist the divine cinnamon roll deli in columbia south carolina wow believe this will be a first for the medalists for our podiums on tom's hungry we have the same gold medal <gasps> Yes. It's not. It's the second year in a row because last year, what? last resort, Athens. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a way, this just this just confirms <laughs> right. it the partnership. Yes, it continues along because I also am having the Divine Cinnamon Roll Deli as my gold medalist. I think I'm going to say the best breakfast sandwich I ever had. Incredible. 
the the honey mustard is what put it over the top for me because it's not your traditional honey mustard. Like they give you a little cinnamon roll, which if I had known, I just probably, for fun, right? I probably wouldn't have gotten the big cinnamon roll too, but I did, and I ate that over like the next two days, <laughs> uh, and it, it was it was so good. The only negative was that they were still doing just takeout, so I don't know if we got the full uh, like if they what they're in in-house dining experience is uh but that was certainly not enough to knock them off the gold medal for me as well so i'm with you the trip to columbia the divine cinnamon roll deli my gold medal wow congratulations yes divine cinnamon roll deli and thank you bev smith yes and so many good spots that we didn't mention this year i made a list of some of them okay yeah you know we we didn't talk about anywhere in gainesville good breakfast stuff there college station one of the better oh, Torchies geez. experiences yes. we've had, Velvet Taco. There are a lot of good places that uh, that unfortunately didn't make the list, but you know, try harder next time. <laughs> <laughs> also, it helps if Alabama's coming off a of victory. I think some of those places, there were a couple spots that we just weren't in a good mood. Velvet Taco yeah. in particular stands uh, out. Right, yeah. So uh, some of that's on Alabama. Alabama's yeah, gonna <laughs> everyone knew better. Yeah, every, everyone, right. But it was a good weekend in Columbia. It was a sweep for Alabama and it was best breakfast sandwich I've ever had at the uh, Divine Cinnamon Roll Deli, which I'm sure we will tag in this podcast. Oh, for sure. (laughs) You're going to, if you're listening and you go through Columbia, South Carolina, please go to the Divine Cinnamon Roll Deli. We're not joshing with you. Just like we weren't last year with the last resort grill in Athens. And and we get legit. Right. And we're getting nothing. Yeah. This is, this is our joy. (laughs) You want to give us cinnamon rolls. Sure. It's awesome. I'm I'm going to be in Bradenton for the next six weeks. (laughs) I'm them there. there. Right. 100%. (laughs) Okay, Tom. One last thing, it's off the wall. Yeah, yeah. Because, oh, the craziness never stops. I would like to start, if please, I may. Please, please do. With the scheduling at the World Series. That's my my they, first thing. They almost got it. Almost they got almost it. got it. They nailed so many things. I think, I think rewarding the winners with that off day immediately after Thursday is the right way to go. Sucks if you go in two, but... Don't lose uh, twice. Yeah, but I would like to find a way to where it's not you're there for two days and you're gone. Right. And there there are ways to go there, yeah. but I think it's more important that the winning team gets that off day. Than Maybe that second day is just an off day for everyone. Maybe. I don't know. Either way. Yeah. So many things done right. And then on semifinal Monday, what they used to do was they would play both semifinal games and then do the if games after. Um, and if one if game didn't need to be played, then let's say you were the second semifinal game that would have that if game immediately after, which, which wasn't yeah. awesome. Which is what happened to Alabama against yeah. Oklahoma in 2019 because uh, UCLA beat Washington, uh, so they didn't have to have an if necessary game. Uh, so that's that's why Alabama had to play Oklahoma right away. Right. Uh, but yeah, but now now they change it to where both teams have to do that no matter what. Yes. And what really bothered me about it isn't even necessarily that. Because I think that it makes sense in terms of TV scheduling, which is, you know, what a lot of it's about. It makes sense in terms of just making sure the teams are there and that, that you can try and be as on schedule as possible. What really frustrated me is after the first UCLA Oklahoma game, they made everybody leave and come back in. Right. And they didn't do it between Texas Oklahoma state games. I, I hope somebody said, this is dumb. Let's just let everybody stay here. But those have to be treated as complete sessions, the first semifinal game and the if game. If we're going to play those two in a right. conjoined time slot, have that be the first half of the day, then we don't need to send people out and make them get a stamp or put on a wristband and come back in. That doesn't make a lot of sense. And if anybody at the NCAA is listening and you can provide more clarity as to how that all worked this year, 
please do so. I heard an announcement while I was there saying, please exit, get a stamp and come back in or something like that. And all in all, it just didn't make sense. So at the same time, would I love for the if necessary game not to be after 30 minutes after the game prior? Sure. Uh, but the main thing is we cannot lose the atmosphere for the if games after typically they're pretty strong for the semifinal games. Right. And we saw that this year. We've seen that in the past. It just makes it not look as attractive on TV. It's not uh, as fun to play in. It's just, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So if we're going to do it, let's keep the people in the stadium, let them sit in their seats. And right. that's that. My, my issue with it has always been uh, one is you know, the clearing of the stadium, bring back in. Cause I'm again, uh, referring back to 2019, you know, Alabama is about to play Oklahoma and there's, 700 people in the stadium oh like you know everyone's trying to get back in uh you're doing the national anthem and there's nobody there yeah when i second game of ucla oklahoma i was sitting on the first row videoing tr jennings home run because nobody was there right so that you know if you're if you're going to do back to back yeah it's got to be one session there's no you cannot clear out the stadium and bring everybody back in but i just don't think you know it's you have now created the most important game of the season for both teams like there, it, it is the, you know, it's winner go home in this one game. And we're only giving them 30 minutes to get ready for it. It just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, you know, UCLA, you know, they're having, they're having players interviewing. They're having Kelly Ice having to interview people. They're doing media. They're right. doing this, all this kind of stuff. There's just not enough time. Switching dugouts. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's, there, there's no reason to be that quick about it. You know, an hour is, is still not enough, but I, I'm, I think they should be on a separate day. But if you're going to do them on the separate on the same day, you know, do do both games that are the definite games, and then do the if necessaries as maybe a second session. Day, uh, yeah, or, or, the, yeah, yeah. If you're doing it on the same day, do a separate section. Have have one session of the two uh, definite games that are going to play. Then then clear the stadium, and two hours later we're going to have session number two, and it could be one game, it could be two games, it could be zero games. We'll we'll find out. But do it that, that there's got to be some better separation between those two games. Uh, I think mean, it's not fair, you know, especially not fair to the team that's kind of fight out a loser's bracket. And it really does. It's not fair for the, the winner's bracket team either that they have to turn around that quickly. So it's just they got so much right with the new schedule, but they they almost created a new issue yeah. with it with the second part of that schedule. And we'll see if that adjustment is made. I do think overall the new format works really well. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see if next year we can see a team with a true ace be able to better take advantage of coming through the winner's bracket because Oklahoma, while the pitching was great, that wasn't what led them. Right. And Oklahoma State started Morgan Day in that first game against Texas. So it's hard to really know what would have happened had they started Kelly Maxwell. I want to know what happens next year if you've got, say, an Alabama or, say, a Florida State with Catherine Sandercock. If you've got the same pitcher who starts each of those first three games with mm-hmm. those days off, what does that team look like? How do they win? Is it possible to do that? Uh, those are all questions that I, I want to know going forward because what I loved about it was the teams that won got the advantage for pretty much the entire Women's College World Series, and that's the way it should be. Yeah, 100%. All right, anything you want to add for off the wall, Tom? Uh, the main thing, and that's a little bit of what we talked about last podcast as well, is that, you know, dealing with, you know, portal situations, you know, not losing your mind, knowing, you know, this is going to be something that's going to happen, you know, here on, you know, here on out, basically, there are going to be people be moving. Uh, but also knowing that there's going to be a little bit of time in between finding out these people are leaving and then finding out who's coming back, who's coming in, who's, who's, who is, who is being, who who is 
coming in as the replacement because I think the thought is, you know, when you see, you know, Alabama, you see six people in the portal, you're not thinking, well, they're going to probably get, you know, five or six to replace those. So let, let's not lose our minds about that. And we've seen a lot of people do that. So I would agree. Don't, don't do that. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. My usual off season creed, don't be creepy. No yeah. weird DMs to the players. Uh, don't be sending yeah. weird pickup lines on Instagram. I promise you they're not interested probably. <laughs> no, no. Um, just, you know, don't be weird with the college athletes and uh, enjoy the... whether they're coming or going. Yes. Don't be weird. Don't yeah. be creepy. Don't be rude. Don't be a jackass. All if, those things. I'm going to just say, if you don't know them personally, no need to interact. Yeah. I have barely talked to any of them. I've known <laughs> most of them for years. Right. Because <laughs> it's just not my place. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, and also, honestly, enjoy all the softball that we're getting in the offseason. We've got FGCL, we've got AUX. I, again, there is a game as you're listening to this on Monday, hopefully, or Tuesday or Wednesday, that is on ESPN or ESPNU tonight as you're listening. Right. So, we've got World Games coming up in Birmingham. We've got uh, a lot of stuff Canada Cup, FGCL, obviously. Like, there is so much softball. So, if you love it at the college level, a lot of the people that you recognize will be playing in these other games. I highly recommend you give it a chance. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And like I said about the AUX earlier with, with Sid, that any chance to see, you know, professional softball on that or any you know international softball, that type of stuff, that's only going to improve the quality of play at the collegiate level. Yes. So it, it's, it's a, it's a net win for everybody and that it needs to be supported. And you might learn a thing or two. Yeah. You might see some friends like Allie Harrell from Marshall is playing at AUX. Learn her name, America. <laughs> I'm so excited. One of our favorites. I believe she was my midseason FGCL player of the year. Tom, the future is bright here on the podcast. We have summer episodes coming up, including the highly anticipated by us and hopefully all of you out there out of the box office movie review and commentary series. Yes. Very excited for this. Patrick Murphy, Caleb Bro, Sam Fisher, Sydney, little John Watkins, Morgan Lashley and Anthony Sinello, probably SID extraordinaire, Nathan Sheehan, who knows who else at Mon- Montana. What's your favorite movie? Come on. <laughs> Emily P tech, Jen Schroeder, like Beth Moens. Hopefully we got, we got a lot of people lined up to, to discuss sports movies and frankly, just movies that we enjoy. Right. And this, this might continue on into the fall. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, yeah. And then we've got FGCL episodes as well. Once you come down to Florida, we'll do our thing and talk about the portal and yeah. whatever else has happened, because I would guarantee Tom, by the time you arrive in about a month, Mm-hmm. something crazy will have happened oh my gosh i guarantee it put it down yeah it might have been happening in bradenton yeah it might be right there. I, I see a lot of things people will be will be on ground zero yes a lot, a lot of coaches coming to town we'll have the fgcl broadcast for information on that follow the league at fgcl softball or follow me at gray underscore robertson or tom yeah i'll tweet out the links yeah and then, you know, we've got World Games coming up with Montana there, Haley McClinney there. But you've got a lot of familiar faces playing there. Uh, and then that'll get us into the fall and yeah. softball media days round three. Yeah. So very excited for all of that. World Games, you know, right here in the state of Alabama, in Birmingham. Yeah, I know attendance is probably not going to be an issue. There's going to be plenty of people there any way you can support softball yes please and come to the world games yeah montana is gonna be throwing she's mm-hmm. gonna get a shot you know, her and monica abbott what a one-two punch jeez 
I foresee a gold medal in the future. <laughs> so much velocity. Yes. <laughs> so Good luck. much velocity. You thought that Tennessee baseball pitcher threw it 105. Wait until we Chinese see. Taipei is going to be like, what? <laughs> Where did it go? Oh my God. That. Canada what? is going to be just spinning around. <laughs> uh, not just because it's really hot. All right. Okay, Tom, we already mentioned our Twitters. But again, if you want to follow us, where can the people find us on social media? You can find me at T Canterbury, R-T-R, C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y on the Twitter. And I'm at Gray, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson. Make sure you follow the podcast at the box underscore pod on Twitter. Wipe the brow. Mm. That's it. We did it. That's season four of the Out of the Box podcast. I can't believe we did four years of this. I can't believe next year, if, if things hold, we will be in the booth together for a seventh season. That is certainly the plan. That is crazy. Seven years. I bet our bosses are like, this is not going to stop. Is it? <laughs> We're just going to have to keep throwing them out there, aren't we? <laughs> All right. Uh, an incredible year. Tom. They won't leave. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> Any final thoughts from, from the year 2022, not just in softball, but on the podcast? Uh, we had a lot of fun shows, a lot Absolutely. of great guests from start to finish. Yeah, I thank everyone that came on the show, everyone that has uh, liked, retweeted, has commented on, on any of our, our stuff, and uh, most importantly, anyone that has listened to the podcast. And uh, we, we do appreciate everyone, even if you're not an Alabama fan, uh, coming on and, and you know listening to us. People got on the spaces and that we had great interaction there as well. It was a season that was up and down as far as what was going on on the field. Uh, but I think most importantly for us is that we're, we're giving you a perspective that maybe you don't aren't able to get other places. And to know that, you know, you, you can, even if it's a, a low time, as far as the, the season goes, you can kind of ride it out and still have fun. Yeah. And that's what we did. Uh, we are kind of in the trenches and we can discuss what that point of view is like. And there were some, more therapeutic podcast than we've ever done before this yeah. year since yeah. the show started but that's part of it that's sports and uh if i know one thing it's that i would be very surprised if we have as many long low-toned conversations about team 27 <laughs> as we did team 26 the night is darkest just before the dawn and i gotta think that next year is going to be a pretty bright season no can't wait for it can't wait w wish it wish it was tomorrow I, me too and in a way it is because yes. i'm driving to florida tomorrow. <laughs> all right <laughs> that'll do it for season four of the podcast again like tom said thank you so much everybody for your support this is the biggest year we've ever had we broke our 24-hour listener record like seven times seven of our 10 most listened to episodes are from this year Crazy. There are a couple that don't even cross over in those two stats. Yeah. It means the world to us that, that all of you out there tune in. And we hope that this show will continue on for many, many years. Until 2023, as we mentioned, we got a lot planned out of the box office. Various other shows from the FGCL. So keep your eye on the out of the box feed. For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. Thank you, folks, for everything this year. We'll see you next time on the out of the box podcast.